Hi, I'm Harry Littman, host of Talking Feds, a roundtable that brings together prominent figures from government law and journalism for a dynamic discussion of the most important topics of the day. Each Monday, I'm joined by a slate of Fed's favorites and new voices to break down the headlines and give the insider's view of what's going on in Washington and beyond. Plus, sidebars explaining important legal concepts read by your favorite celebrities. Find Talking Feds wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Third Love for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com ag to find yours today. And thanks to Noom for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Getting in shape isn't just about losing weight. It's about learning healthier habits and feeling better about yourself. Noom helps us learn how to develop new relationships with food. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash A-G. And thanks to Sagely Naturals for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Sagely Naturals has superior standards for quality and ensures all their CBD products are completely THC-free. Sagely Naturals has me feeling like my best self. Get 20% off your first order at sagelynaturals.com slash AG. This is Greg Oliar, the author of Dirty Rubles, and you're listening to Mueller, she wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me, as always, are Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. We are in New York at a kind patron's recording studio, having an amazing time. Uh, Last night was great. We met up with a bunch of our patrons at the Bleecker Street Bar. Thanks to all you guys. It was so great meeting you. Yes, and thank you to our patron who suggested that bar. It was perfect. And thanks to Dan for making the shirt. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the magazine, the AOC comic book that we received. Yeah. I didn't get to meet that patron, but oh my gosh, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's her district. Wow. Yeah, that, that, I think that lady who was the bartender came in. That's She's in AOC's district. Oh, I love that. And she's just, like, delighted and so happy to have AOC representing her uh, in Congress. And then and, and Dan made the shirt for me. It says, We the People Care. It was a play on Melania's jacket. Yeah, like, I don't really care, do you? Oh, yeah. that yeah. makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that when but I first saw it. But it was in the, in the same font as you would see. Yes. Love it. The We the People. That's so good. Yeah, it was really great. It was so great meeting everybody. I, I, was, I thought maybe one or two people would show up. There was, like, 15, 20 people. It was yeah, a solid perfect. gang. Yeah, squad goals for sure. We it brought was... pizza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we had did. lots of beer. We had laughs. We, you know, cried. Yes. We laughed. We cried. We smoked weed on the streets together. <laughs> we smoked weed on the streets together. <laughs> not AG, though. Nope. Nope. Not, not AG. And that is real and not a lie. No. And, yeah. and I mean that. And the more I say that, the more it sounds like a lie. The more it sounds like yeah, a lie. But I'm serious. I, I sense the authenticity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we know the truth. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Which is all that matters to me is that you guys know the truth. Uh, we just recorded our five-word speech. That went amazingly well. 
well. And this awesome beardy fellow took some wonderful photos of us. I he, I saw him walk down the hall, and I'm like, that is the most, that is the best oh, yeah. beard I've ever seen. Everyone's so cool out here. Everyone looks cool. Yes. Like I've had great experiences. Yeah, I'm. I don't feel cool enough for New York, but uh, <laughs> it's it's awesome here, and everyone's just so kind. Uh, it's seriously the coolest thing I've ever done in my life, and I've done a lot of cool shit. So, I'm. This is so. This is uh, well, you know, and my marriage. Yes, right, right. the second one though. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Not the first one so much. She's seen some things, man. You've lived a full life. <laughs> Been around, man. <laughs> Uh, we've got a lot of news this week, a lot of really good news and then some not-so-great news, but we'll cover it all for you. Jordan, you're going to be going over an interview with uh, The Devil's Mermaid, yes. Maria Butina. And Jalisa, you have a neat escapade involving Jerry Falwell Jr. and how the asshole doesn't fall far from the tree. Yes. Uh, I have a story tonight about the never-ending obstruction of justice. And for the interview, oh, this is so cool. We're joined by election security advocate. She's an expert at this. Uh, attorney, she's an attorney, she's a writer, and we've been I've been wanting to speak with her for a long time, ever since we started started wondering if the actual vote was hacked and manipulated. It's Jennifer Cohn, so definitely stick around for the interview today. We'd be really glad that you did. Uh, San Diego folks, we'll be doing a live show Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. Grab your tickets by visiting the San Diego Comedy Festival website. I believe there's a VIP meet and greet. Uh, should be a lot of fun. We'd love to see you. We also have Minneapolis June 14th. There are still tickets available for that. And stay tuned for our forthcoming full-length series covering the Mueller Report, page by page, with context and space beans and all the information you'll need to understand exactly what it says. We're not just reading it to you. Uh, we're giving you that full curatorial context, and I think that that's really important. You know, we've been doing this for 18 months, and I think we've got a, a pretty good grasp on all of the context that falls in those pages. We can read between the lines pretty well. Patrons are getting those early and ad-free and assisting with additional theories and corrections. If you'd like to be a patron and do that, you can head to patreon.com slash wrote and sign up. Guys, we have a big show this week, so let's get started with my favorite new segment, Corrections. It's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. Apologize. Shut the fuck up! All right, guys, first we have a musical correction from the Daily Update called Jordan's Butt Stuff. <laughs> uh, she started singing a tune that I said was a morning tune, but it turns out the piece is prelude to the afternoon of a fawn. Mm -hmm. So it's an afternoon tune. Mm. All right. Afternoon delight. Yeah. yeah. These yeah. are the kinds of things that make this my favorite segment, that someone picked up on that tune is awesome. <laughs> uh, I think it's Debussy, but now I'll maybe get another correction. <laughs> but it just shows that together... We know everything. Yes. Uh, so. Oh, that's, that's a cool slogan. Together we know everything. Yeah. That should oh, be... that should have been our five-word speech. Damn it. All right. Four. Tulip. That's four. Oh, man. Seriously. Dude. Together we okay. know everything. Dudes. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Just added dudes at the end because that encompasses everyone. Yes. Uh, on God, Thursday, that, sorry, that's such a wrong statement, though. Together we know everything. I know. Like, I thought it was a joke. I'm sorry. We're not serious, guys. We're not actually. Well, I was thinking serious. like that'd no, be a I great mean, get I up mean, the vote slogan or something. But really, when we all come together, it just is a huge cluster. We fuck. know nothing. The but, more you know, the the less you know, right? Oh uh, yeah, no. I just simply mean that uh, between the three of us and all of our fan yeah, no, base together, mm -hmm. I think we know everything. Yes, yes. Uh, that we can that we can know. That's yes. knowable. Uh, but that's probably also not true. Yeah, if we could explode the microcosm of the community that we have into the entire voting electorate, that would be uh, the best. Oh right? We wouldn't be where we are. No. Yeah, and we'd be imposing our beliefs, which I guess is what we do anyway. So. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's Sorry, fine. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm all for a Leviathan that's like someone that actually knows what the hell they're doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice, nice. 
Uh, let's see. On Thursday's daily update, we gave a shout out to one of our favorite shows, Drunk History. And this was less of a correction and more of a fill in the gap situation. So Drunk History's season two, episode two was called New York City. And it was about Sybil Ludington, mm-hmm. the real Paul Revere, or at least another Paul Revere. <laughs> so we were close. Uh, a white guy took the glory away from a disenfranchised person, but it was a woman and not a black guy. Right, right. So and I the, had a feeling it was some minority of some sort. <laughs> yeah, not a white fella. Right, right. Uh, and, and what was cool is the, uh, one of the co-producers of Drunk History reached out to tell us that. Very so, cool. Thank you for that. Love Excellent that show. show. If yes. you haven't seen it, you have to watch it. It's so good. Have the you Frederick... ever gotten drunk watching Drunk History? I've gotten high. I've had stoned future. <laughs> high conspiracy stoned future. Stoned future. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great show. Just Jaleesa sitting on a couch. <laughs> just talking about just future history. Yeah, yeah. Get you a whiteboard. But it's <laughs> the near future, like 15 minutes from now. I'm going to get really oh. in-depth about the next 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. near future. I mm-hmm. see. Yeah. Stoned near future. <laughs> I like it. Uh, and regarding why Brad comes first in Brangelina, it's not a gender thing as we suspected. It's a linguistics thing mm. as we suspected. Yeah, yeah. We suspected it was a linguistics. I don't know. We I don't know. We, I thought it was a little we sexist. I was like, why is Brad first? Yeah, Angelina. but the patriarchy is still real. Yes. Make no mistakes if this was a turning point for you. <laughs> yes. It's this is still what put a you problem. over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> this can't okay. be your main argument yeah. against. <laughs> Uh, and Blue of Blue's Clues is a girl, and Magenta is a boy. That Bre- changed my whole world. Breaking oh, gender no. norms. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm shook. Yeah, you're shook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, in a recent Daily Beans, we had a sobering discussion on the Kemp-signed six-week fetal heartbeat bill in Georgia. And it probably came off like we were really like singling out the South as a bunch of a-holes. But I wanted to clarify, that's not how we feel about the South. Jaleesa is from the South. Yeah, just my family. Uh, I've been to Florida, just your family. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, Texas, Louisiana, Tennessee. I've loved every place I've ever been. The South has come a long way, and we saw that in the 2018 midterms and some of the subsequent special elections. It's vibrant, diverse. It's amazing. It's an amazing part of the country, and I just wanted to make sure everyone knows how we feel in case it wasn't clear. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's similar to how when you say, when you know, we talk about these indictments on white people or we'll say something like, oh, that's so white, you know? Yeah. It, it's like, it's an indictment on this concept of whiteness. Mm-hmm. Not like just being white makes you this person that encapsulates all of these that's really a very good shitty point. And things. I, I think when it comes to whiteness versus blackness, historically in America, I feel more comfortable making fun of the whiteness because it's like, well, you had a leg up, so it'd be different if you I think it's equal. more than fair for you to yeah, say whatever yeah. the fuck if you want. If we both were slaves, <laughs> yeah, if, if I enslaved you and then you enslaved me, like, that would be, like, yeah, fair is fair. But, yeah, it's different. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> Sauce for the goose. Mm, right? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so this is Southness. Yeah. That South-ness. we're talking about. Right. There we go. Yes, I like yes. that. Uh, let's see. The emoluments clause was inspired by Ben Franklin with a fancy portrait or a snuff box from King Louis Sixteenth, not King George. My bad. Mm. Uh, actual correction. Uh, historical <laughs> correction. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, missed that uh, episode of Drunk History. Also, Jeffrey Epstein didn't do time in federal prison, as I had thought. He was in a private wing of the Palm Beach County Jail. Of course. <laughs> uh, and we were talking about whether inmates can write books. Uh, someone wrote to us, and they said they are provided with writing supplies and postage because they need to be able to prepare legal correspondence or documents. Otherwise, they can purchase notebooks and writing utensils, even typewriters, using their prison funds. But they don't have you generally a lot of prison funds. But yeah. I was reminded of that movie about Marquis de Sade, how he's in his jail cell using, I think, either blood or feet, some bodily fluid <laughs> yeah. and writing on sheets. Something bed not sheets. pointy. And he was writing all of his uh, sadist novels uh, in, in prison that way. Well, to each their own. Yeah, mm. very on brand. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's consistent. Yes, yes. Uh, we expect nothing 
different. I wouldn't say less, but nothing different. Uh, then we have the great color debate of 2019. As it turns out, Jaleesa and I were both right. Uh, for pigment, there are three primary colors, blue, yellow, and red. For printing, magenta is a primary color, as CMYK. Mm-hmm. Uh, for light, RGB is used, and that combo of all three is white. Uh, from an email we got from an art director in Canada named Bree, she said, Jaleesa's right on the two kinds of colors, additive and subtractive. Additive is anything emitting light. Subtractive uh, is for paints and ink because it's on a surface. And because it's on a surface, our ability to see it is only possible with light reflecting off yes. of it, which is what I was saying, which is why everything looks gray at night because there's no light. Uh, AG, you were talking about subtractive color. That can be broken into two segments, printing and pigments. For printing, it's CMYK, cyan, magenta, yellow, and black. And black, yes. Uh, for paints, it's red, blue, and yellow. Absence of all color is white. Overlapping them all is black. G- uh, Jaleesa was right in additive color. All colors combined are white, but magenta is not primary in that mode. Uh, AG was right that for pigments and paints, the primaries are blue, red, and yellow. Uh, they, because they can't be created by mixing colors. Exactly, yeah. But mixing them can create other colors. Secondaries, yes, purple, green, and orange. And then for pigments, magenta is tertiary. But for printing, it functions as a primary in place of red and scion in place of blue, because otherwise the print press, <laughs> when overlapping the colors, the mix would get too dark. How cray is this? Isn't that nuts? <laughs> I learned life? so much about yeah. colors. I feel yeah. like I'm in second grade again. <clears throat> right? I, That's I, an intense second grade class. <laughs> I feel like yeah. there's Muller junkies listening to this podcast like, I don't give a fuck about that. True, but yeah. it makes me think about our eyes and like the fact that they are such incredible cameras that they're the most like advanced technology we can't even make cameras as good as our eyes unless you have eyes like me I'm actually really bad yeah I'm blind and then then you do the whole perception you add perception into it you know that whole Mm -hmm. where you sit around stoned when you're in high school and go is blue the same for you yeah yeah we'll never know and you know what now that I mention it we do make cameras better than depending on what you're going for you can't zoom in with your eyes no I totally agree but the natural design of our eyes and just our everything it's like damn nature don't even get me started on our nose, though. Oh, oh nose. <laughs> they don't even know how our nose works. They don't know. I think they know, kind of. Yeah. I think they know. I but think blue and magenta know. When I was, yeah. Dogs. When I was in school, they were like, we don't know. That's just what they taught us. Well, we don't but I don't know, know if that's still things, the case. Right? We don't know what consciousness is, really. We don't know what love really is, besides like the, okay. the chemical okay. stuff. <laughs> I'm, so- I'm sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. No, that wasn't a, that wasn't a referendum on what you were saying. I'm just it's like, just crazy. Dude, we could spend an hour yes. on a philosophical podcast, but mm-hmm. we do have Mueller stoned news this week. future. We're gonna make this Tune happen. In. I like stoned future. Yeah. I think this is probably one of your best ideas, Thank and I think you. you should run with it. Nice. Uh, I think that'd be a great. T- I would watch that all day. Down now, yeah. Uh, let's see. Also, I had spoken to, sh- and I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off. I hope you don't think I was cutting you off. No, you're you right. We're, we're like, Muller. She wrote. We're not fucking. I don't want to upset. Philosophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're fine. We're fine. At this point, whoever was going to write a review already did. Yeah. So, yeah. You're true. Whatever. You're right. <laughs> they already sent it. Yeah. There goes, yeah. I, there goes three one stars. I can feel it. Yeah. Uh, also, I had spoken about Schiff hiring Fallon, but I said it was for the judiciary, and Schiff, of course, is the Intelligence Committee. That's a, a lawyer, a financial crimes expert, I think. Um, so it was it was the Intelligence Committee, not the Judiciary. All right. Those are the corrections uh, for this week. Help us be better, and please email us at hello at MullerSheWrote.com, and we will get it right eventually. <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for the news. Let's jump in with just the facts. All right, guys, we had another long week of cage matches between Congress and the White House. We can start with Barr refusing to appear last Thursday before the House because he didn't like the format of having staff counsel question him. Uh, that was the chicken incident, mm-hmm. uh, and which we supported. 
Uh, our friends at The Daily Show and John Oliver disagree, but I think only because it just was a stupid joke as far as jokes go. It was a dad joke, but I'm glad that Congress is loosening up and, and just getting to the, you know, fact that he is a chicken. Yeah. And when I say our friends at The Daily Show and John Oliver, I mean we don't actually know anyone on those shows. Right, right. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> after Barr was a no-show, Jerry Nadler threatened to hold Barr in contempt. To which Barr said, hey, bro, relax. Give us some more time. Let's hug it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. But, of course, that was just a delay tactic. And Nadler knew that because he never canceled the contempt vote, which took place Wednesday, and passed along party lines, I think 24 to 16. But only after the White House announced they were asserting executive privilege over the Mueller report. (laughs) The whole thing. Now, normally, once the committee approves contempt, this would then go to a full vote in the House. But Nancy Pelosi is saying, let's hang back a minute. We have a few more possible contempt votes coming up, and I think we could address the address the entirety of the effect of the obstruction from the White House if we vote on them all at once. So if you want to be in contempt, take a number. <laughs> <laughs> up first, after Barr, is Don McGahn. Don McGahn has missed or will miss two subpoena deadlines, May 7th for documents and May 21st for testimony, because the White House has told him not to comply. So we need to hold him in contempt. Mm-hmm. Next is Steve, which is what I've decided to call Steve Mnuchin. because Just Steve. He, he hates it when people call him Steve. His, his my name is Stephen. Yeah. Oh, Steve. Yeah. I think it's Steve from Sex and the City. Whenever you say that, just the guy that's like, yeah, yeah. This is a nerdy Steve. Steve. Steve, tell you that. What's he got to do with it? What kind of rapping name is Steve? Steve. Uh, and. Uh, the Trump, in, not just Steve, but the Trump-installed IRS commissioner, Charles Reddick, who we've been talking about, they've both been asking uh, for Trump's, uh, they've both been asked for Trump's taxes. They've delayed and then refused, saying we're not gonna. So uh, Richard Neal of the House Ways and Means Committee subpoenaed both of them, giving them until May 17th, that's this week, uh, and they could be held in contempt if they don't comply. Remember we'd been talking about why all these steps are necessary? Uh, you know, subpoena, ask, ask twice, yes. subpoena, subpoena Getting all twice, your ducks in a row. Change your deadline. Your chickens. Yeah. Get all your chickens in a row. And that's to show due diligence, right? And as mm-hmm. it turned out, when asked this week why Richard Neal went with subpoenas and not straight to court, he said that House counsel had advised him that the subpoena step would help him build a stronger case. So high five, ladies. We were correct. Hell yes. Beans come true. <laughs> if the subpoenas are ignored, they can take the contempt vote. But also, the House counsel would ask the Speaker of the House to authorize court action. And then the Speaker can have either a full House vote on it or give it to the Bipartisan Legal Advisory Group, which is comprised of three Democrats and two assholes. And they can authorize, I'm sorry, Republicans, and and they can authorize any court action through that group on a three to two vote. So this is underground Congress jail. (laughs) Hopefully. Or fines, uh, which Schiff is... Yeah, I'm just kidding. I just like that image. No, this is a really good test for America to see if we are going to jail privileged people. Hold them to account. Exactly. No, my means are no. There's not actually a prison underneath Congress, but there is a holding cell. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they could actually... They could literally hold him in contempt. In case (laughs) someone loses their shit in the courtroom. What are you doing? I'm holding you in contempt. It'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hold me in contempt. Uh, uh, Again, we recommend contempt and fines as part of that due diligence. Uh, Quote, we have have done every possible thing we could do to compel compliance before we brought it to court, basically. But wait, some great news out of New York, where we are right now. (laughs) Uh, We're up in this bitch, yeah. (laughs) We are up in this New York. The land of crimes. 
<laughs> the land of crimers. Uh, the state Senate voted on two huge bills this week here in New York. The first one they passed is the one we've been talking about for ever. Uh, the one that closes that double jeopardy loophole and allows yeah. for an exemption to prosecute a state crime when a federal crime is pardoned. Yes, back in the Schneiderman times. Yeah, mm-hmm. by a president, pardoned by a president when there's a conflict of interest, and there will be. Awesome. And then they passed a bill that allows the state to hand over tax re- state tax returns to the House Ways and Means Committee, the Senate Finance Committee, or the Joint Committee on Taxation. So one way or another, whether it's through Mazar's friendly subpoena, which we'll talk about, New York State, and these, these two bills, because the Assembly will pass these bills and Cuomo will sign them. He hates Trump. <laughs> or a BuzzFeed FOIA request or holding IRS and uh, Steve in contempt. We're getting the taxes. Yeah. And it's not going to take years. Dude, New right. York is killing it. Yeah. They're like, leading Letitia the charge James, for this. She's like the biggest badass, too. Yeah. 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 Because we, we always say the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. And mm-hmm. then we had modified that to say the arc of justice is long, but it bends towards the Southern, Southern District, District of, of New York. York. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Uh, up next, and, and, and that's federal, but also state. Just, yeah, and D.C. is killing it, too. The East Coast, really. But Letitia leading. James, New York, New York Attorney General, state AG. Yeah. Amazing woman. Incredible. Uh, up next at the Contempt Deli is Mueller. Uh, the House Judiciary has been in talks with Maine Justice to have Mueller testify for a few weeks now. And they've had a preliminary date of May 15th set, but that's not going to happen. However, I doubt they would hold Mueller in contempt. They would Mm. likely subpoena Mueller. And if Barr somehow keeps him employed at the Department of Justice, he was supposed to leave like a month ago. And if he keeps dicking around and setting and not setting a date, even though he said he's publicly has no objection to Mueller testifying, I believe Congress would hold him in contempt a second time. Interesting. Right? Yeah. And I wonder, you know, because... I said $50,000 a day. Schiff is saying $25,000 a day. But if you're held in contempt twice, is it $50,000 a day? Mm, yeah. I say yes. Math be like that sometimes. Math be like that. <laughs> so, so we have Mueller, McGahn, Steve, Charles Reddick, probably Barr a second time, all up for contempt charges in the House. And they're talking about voting on, uh, on this as a whole package. And Swalwell uh, spoke this week about assembling a contempt subcommittee to handle all the obstruction. Oh, my God. All of which just builds a stronger case for impeachment, right? And not just because one of the articles against Nixon was obstruction for defying congressional oversight, but because Pelosi and Schiff are already sort of acknowledging that if they open an impeachment inquiry, it sure would be a heck of a lot easier to get all these materials they need, such as the full Mueller report, the underlying evidence, the tax returns, all the grand jury material under 6E, not to mention a stronger legal argument for all the subpoenas that they've been issuing. And Maddo even talked about this, that this week. And it's great to see on mainstream media. Um, this is have, has been our position for a while. I believe we brought it up weeks ago. If they just opened an inquiry, not full impeachment hearings, just an inquiry, they would be able to establish the judicial proceeding needed to get their hands on evidence expeditiously. So it's really nice to hear Schiff, Pelosi, and Maddo broach the subject finally. Yes. Definitely. And I think bundling them together is a good thing to do just in terms of precedent because this is going to keep happening over and over again. So it's like, let's just get a big old package together and we'll yeah, just lay out how it's it. going to go down if this continues to happen, which it, it definitely will. Mm-hmm. Big old contempt obstruction package. And that way, when you when you draft the article of impeachment for this, you have all of these steps individually and then all together as one thing. And yeah. it just makes your case like that much stronger. It's like a care package or like an eye care package. The Senate will never vote for it, but I mean, it's it's a good package. It's a, Yeah, it's, it's good intentions. It's something. Yep. Uh, let's see what else. This week, more voices began speaking the words impeachment, including Schiff, Pelosi, and Maddow, who, like we just said, indicated, uh, as we have been, if you open that impeachment inquiry, um, 
you don't have to actually impeach. Uh, could make it a lot easier to get those materials. Elijah Cummings had a great idea for House oversight. He's threatening to block the salaries of Interior Department officials in their investigation into whether the Secretary of the Interior, David Bernhardt, is complying with record-keeping laws. Wow. So he's going to block their salaries if they don't... Do you? You mess with their money and shit gets real. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and one last little gem this week about Steve. Uh, the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, has filed a lawsuit... Uh, on her own against Steve and the IRS for failure to hand over documents from a FOIA (laughs) request she made last October. The FOIA request was for information surrounding the decision to change the policy last July, making it totally legal and totally cool for 501c4 organizations such as the NRA to not have to report the identities of their large dark money donors. In the lawsuit, Tish James says, quote, my office depends on these critical donor disclosure forms to be able to adequately oversee nonprofit organizations in New York. Not only was the policy change made without notice, the Treasury and the IRS are now refusing to comply with the law to release information about the rationale for these changes. So the FOIA and the lawsuit, the FOIA and the lawsuit were filed jointly with the Attorney General of New Jersey. I imagine this case is called something like the People versus Steve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Steve. This also reminds me of that episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm when Larry goes to donate something, but he wants to be called anonymous, or, or, or like, or someone else wants to be. Sorry, no, I'm fucking this up. Someone else wants to be called anonymous, and then he also wants to get the credit though and tell everybody that he was that anon- he's anonymous. That he's the anonymous donor. Yeah, it's like going around like it's like defeats the purpose. That happened and on Life in Pieces too. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So maybe that's just why they don't want to reveal their names. You know, it's just a it's a pride thing. Oh yeah, they want to be humble donors uh-huh. to the great cause of That's rifles it. in America. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> rifles in America. Yeah. Uh, RIA, my new lobbying group joined today. <laughs> the individual <Super> retirement. <laughs> yes. Uh, one last little subpoena, guys. Tiny one this week. The Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, what we have always referred to as the most bipartisan of all the investigative committees in either, houses of con- either House of Congress, along with the ranking member uh, of that committee, have subpoenaed Donald Trump Jr. to have him come back and answer some more questions. And I know, I know, none of you trust Barr, especially after the, or, or Burr, excuse me, yeah. especially after the revelation in the Mueller report that he ran to the White House to tell them about, you know, what was in that FBI <laughs> briefing uh, on the investigation into Trump, that Gang of Eight briefing. Mm-hmm. That Comey gave? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But this is good news, you guys. Junior will likely defy the subpoena on some sort of privilege, probably white privilege. And then uh, (laughs) the the Senate... Excuse me, I'm white. (laughs) Your Honor. Just pointing at his face. I rest my case. (laughs) I rest my case. His teeth. He'd got capital gums and lowercase teeth. Aw. See, it'd be cute if he were a good person, you know, but... Yeah, it's just not. I have big gums. I do, too. Yeah, so does like, my mom. I feel like when it comes to judging people's appearances, it depends on who they are as a person. If they're bad, then I can think a hot person is ugly. Yeah. Yeah, my brain just adjusts to I just read that on Twitter. Capital of gums yeah. and lowercase teeth. That's adorable. <laughs> Conan said William Barr looks like a toad with a gluten allergy. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> or that little kid on the dinosaur show from the 80s. Anyway. Uh <laughs> He, he asserted white privilege, Don Jr. Uh, the Senate will likely not hold him in contempt because it's the Senate. But for a Republican-led committee to subpoena him in the Senate based on a potential perjury uh, charge about Trump Tower Moscow will bolster any similar action by the House. Think about this. And let's say the House subpoenas him, right, which I'm sure they will, along with Felix Sater, who also lied about Trump Tower Moscow. And let's say Jr. refuses or defies that subpoena. They hold him in contempt, go to court to compel him to appear. They can say, hey, it's not just us. The Senate did, too. And that's a Republican-led uh, committee. So mm-hmm. yep. now, granted, he'll probably plead the fifth 
at that point, but Congress is taking steps it must per the Constitution to provide this oversight. Not taking these steps would be catastrophic to our democracy because it would signal that we don't bother holding anyone accountable. Yeah. And you can't. I mean, there's such a long list of people that have given false statements to Congress at this point. So I'm hoping that this is the start of something where Republicans actually hold everybody accountable in that regard, because we've been so frustrated because of that lack of a precedent to refer people in a congressional hearing to the FBI for an actual Mm -hmm. investigation into you know, perjury, right? That's what we were ta- learning yeah. in The Threat yes. by Andrew McCabe. And so this is nice because it's like, yeah, at least bring them back and be like, hey, what was up with that? Yeah. yeah. Is, is hashtag purge the perjury too long to get this campaign started? It's just perjury has become so normal. I guess like in all cases, like maybe there's, I just feel like poor people wouldn't be allowed to get away with that. Like oh, li- no, lying no. to Mm-mm. Congress? They, yeah, I mean, they no. wouldn't even listen to what they were saying in the first place. Yeah. So they wouldn't even catch them on their line. You're like, yeah, yeah, what? Whatever. Jail forever. Yeah. Jail forever That's for what you. judges sound like to me. Uh, but yeah, you're right. They wouldn't uh, be able to just do this. And uh, and of course, you know, I mean, Congress will get it. They'll find they lied. They'll make a criminal referral to the Department of Justice, which is run by Billiam. Uh, Billiam. <laughs> Billiam Barr. And he won't do shit. But I mean, at least we've taken the steps. Yeah. yeah. I just love how, how bougie that first name sounds. Billiam. Billiam. <laughs> There's probably Billiam. Out oh there. my gosh! You know yes. there are, and 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 their and their nickname is Will. <laughs> right, right. Yes, Billiam. Because William the is first, Bill, definitely. Mm-hmm. So Billiam has to be Will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, guys, we'll be right back. <laughs> Hello, my name is A.G. and I'm obsessed with Third Love. Hi, A.G. I'm completely serious, though. It's the only place I buy my bras now. The most important thing to me in a bra, besides the fact the company is co-founded by a woman and all their ads show real women with rolls and curves and tattoos and piercings, but aside from that, the most important thing to me is comfort, and Third Love uses millions of real women's measurements to design its bras with breast size and shape in mind for the perfect fit every time. And they have more sizes than pretty much anyone in the business with 70, 70 sizes, and they have half cup sizes for us half of women that fall between cup sizes, which I do. So I appreciate that. Finally, aside from the real women, women run, uh, perfectly comfortable aspects, it's super convenient, right? I use the Fit Finder quiz to find my perfect fit in 60 seconds. And I love this because going to the bra store so Becky with the good hair can paw me and then put me in a dark dressing room with a box of 50 bras is not my idea of a good time. So I just hop online, take a quick Fit Finder quiz, find my perfect size. A few clicks later, I'm done. And the best part is they have a 100% fit guarantee. So if it doesn't fit, which I've never had happen, but if it did, I would have free returns and exchanges, totally hassle-free. These are the most comfortable bras I've ever owned, hands down, tagless, the straps don't dig, no spillage, they're smooth and breathable. It's barely there, and you can get 15% off your first order now. Just go to thirdlove.com AG now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com AG for 15% off today. All right, guys, welcome back to Just the Facts. Uh, We only got halfway through there. Uh, This week, a group of former federal prosecutors signed a letter saying that if Trump weren't president, he would be prosecuted and convicted of obstruction of justice. He's a felon. Uh, And I really want to get this whole letter out to the public, so I'm just going to read it. Uh, We are former federal prosecutors. We served under both Republican and Democratic administrations at different levels of the federal system. As line attorneys, supervisors, special prosecutors, United States attorneys, and senior officials of the Department of Justice. The offices in which we served were small, medium, and large, urban, suburban, and rural, 
and we're located in all parts of our country. Each of us believes that the conduct of President Trump described in Special Counsel Robert Mueller's report would, in the case of any other person not covered by the Office of Legal Counsel policy against indicting a sitting president, result in multiple felony charges for obstruction of justice. Wow. Mm -hmm. The Mueller report describes several acts that satisfy all of the elements for an obstruction charge, conduct that obstructed or attempted to obstruct the truth-finding process, as to which the evidence of the corrupt intent and connection to pending proceedings is overwhelming. These include the president's efforts to fire Mueller and falsify evidence about that effort, the president's effort to limit the scope of Mueller's investigation to exclude his conduct. That's when they're like, only yeah. you can only look at future crimes. Yeah, to co the Corey Lewandowski yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The private citizen <laughs> going to tell Mueller what his scope now is. Crimes from the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, future crimes. And the president's efforts to prevent witnesses from cooperating with investigators probing him and his campaign. Probing him, gross. Um, attempts to fire Mueller and then create false evidence. This is part two of the letter here. Despite being advised by then White House counsel Don McGahn that he could face legal jeopardy for doing so, Trump directed McGahn on multiple occasions to fire Mueller or to gin up false conflicts of interest as a pretext for getting rid of the special counsel. When these acts began uh, to come into public view, Trump made, quote, repeated efforts to have McGahn deny the story, unquote, going so far as to tell McGahn to write a letter for our files, falsely denying that Trump had directed Mueller's termination. That's insane. Firing Mueller would have seriously impeded the investigation, <laughs> yeah, of the president and his associates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ending the investigation. Yes. Yeah, it's a go, bit uh, of this is obstruction in its most literal sense. <laughs> You're firing the special investigator, uh, directing the creation of false government records in order to prevent or discredit truthful testimony is similarly unlawful. Uh, the special counsel report states, "quote." Substantial evidence indicates that repeatedly urging McGahn to dispute that he was ordered to have special counsel terminated, the president acted for the purpose of influencing McGahn's account in order to deflect or prevent scrutiny of the president's conduct toward any investigation, toward the investigation. Mm -hmm. All right. Part two here. Attempts to limit the Mueller investigation. This is the best part. The report describes multiple efforts by the president to curtail the scope of the special counsel's investigation. He's, he's like talking in the third person. Right. Me. My investigation. Uh, first, the president repeatedly pressured then Attorney General Jeff Sessions to reverse his legally mandated decision to recuse himself from the investigation. The president's stated reason was that he wanted the attorney general who would protect him, including from the special counsel investigation. He also directed then White House Chief of Staff Reince Priebus to fire Sessions, and Priebus refused. Second, after McGahn told the president he could not contact Sessions himself to discuss the investigation, Trump went outside the White House, instructing his former campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, douchebag of the 10th degree, mm -hmm. to carry... That's not in the report. That's, <laughs> that's not just in the real life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to carry a demand to Sessions to direct Mueller to confine his investigation to future elections. Lewandowski tried and then failed to contact Sessions in private. After a second meeting with Trump, Lewandowski passed Trump's message to senior White House official Rick Dearborn, who Lewandowski thought would be a better messenger because of his prior relationship with Sessions. Mm. Dearborn did not pass along Trump's message. Yeah. Even these, even these criminally, these, just these dubious douches. Dearborn they, and Mashburn, like, they're the worst. Yeah, they're still <laughs> yeah. not doing Well, things. they just want to benefit off of Trump's ridiculousness. They don't want to do any work. They don't want to draw like... unnecessary negative attention either. They're smarter than Trump is. But it's amazing to see what Trump is capable of achieving, or at least his persistence, when he really wants something done, too. He's yeah. always claiming that his hands are tied in certain situations, like, oh, we can't do it because someone else is in the way. But when he wants something done, oh, no one gets in his way. Or oh, at least he tries really hard. Totally. 
Clearly, yeah, yeah. the API does everything it can. As the reporter, continuing in the letter, mm-hmm. on your point, as, as the report explains, quote, substantial evidence indicates that the president's efforts to have Sessions limit the scope of the special counsel's investigation to future election interference was intended to prevent further investigative scrutiny of the president's and his campaign's conduct. In other words, just like you said, Julissa, the president employed a private citizen to try to get attorney general to limit the scope of an ongoing investigation into the president and his associates. All of this conduct, trying to control and impede the investigation against the president by leveraging his authority over others, is similar to conduct we have seen charged against other public officials and people in powerful positions. So they've seen it before. And then finally, witness tampering and intimidation. This section here says the special counsel's report establishes that the president tried to influence the decisions of both Michael Cohen and Paul Manafort with regarding to cooperating with investigators. With regard to cooperating with investigators. Yeah, Don McGahn, too. You think about it. Yeah. With dangling pardons. Yeah. Yeah. Some of this tampering and intimidation included the dangling of pardons. <laughs> uh, was, was done in plain sight via tweets and public statements. Other such behavior was done via private messages through private attorneys, such as Trump counsel Rudy Giuliani's message to Cohen's lawyer that Cohen should sleep well tonight. <gasps> he uses bat sonar to send the messages. <laughs> <laughs> Bad boy like sonar, so. <laughs> like through the cave. Yes, totally. Do we all? Do we already have a riff about him sleeping by his feet? We Is do. That... We have several riffs. Oh, yeah. hanging in his back. Yeah. yeah, he just his eyes just open. Somebody, oh, yeah. yeah, somebody asked me on Twitter, "How does Giuliani sleep at night?" I'm like upside down. Yeah, <laughs> wings wrapped around his face. So funny. <laughs> and that's offensive to bats, but, you know, I think they get the point, yeah. Yeah, so when Rudy Giuliani told Cohen's lawyer that Cohen should sleep well tonight, you have friends in high places, that counts as this. Oh, my God, friends in high places. Yep. I'm sorry, too easy. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I know. Uh, of course, these aren't the only acts of potential obstruction detailed by the special counsel. It would be well within the purview of any normal prosecutor prosecutorial judgment also to charge other acts detailed in the report. We emphasize that these are not matters of close professional judgment. (laughs) Of course, there are potential defenses or arguments that could be raised in response to an indictment of the nature we described here. Uh, In our system, every accused person is presumed innocent, and it's always the government's burden to prove its case beyond a reasonable doubt. But to look at these facts and to say that a prosecutor could not probably sustain a conviction for obstruction of justice, the standard set out in the principles of federal prosecution runs counter to logic and our experience. Absolutely. And the court of public opinion doesn't go by those same rules. So I feel like, yeah, he should be criticized for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, we can. We're podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as former federal prosecutors, we recognize that prosecuting obstruction of justice case is critical because unchecked obstruction, which allows intentional interference with criminal investigations to go unpunished, puts our whole system of justice at risk. We believe strongly that, but for that OLC memo, the overwhelming weight of professional judgment would come down in favor of prosecution for the conduct outlined in the Mueller report. That's that letter. And over, I think there are over 800 people have signed it now. Wow. Yep. I'm loving this. I know it's a crazy time, but the resistance gives me so much hope. Like, mm-hmm. it's just bringing out the best in people when we're faced with the worst. And the pendulum always swings. So, you know, so be it. We're on a very extreme spectrum of the pendulum right now. And I mm-hmm. think it's been, like, since Obama was in, like, it really triggered a lot of hateful people. I feel like at least, though, before the pendulum was on, like, a, like one axis. And now it's just starting to just fucking... You're right. The laws of <laughs> physics like are being, like... Around. Yeah, just ruined. Yeah, because at least we could actually agree on reporting coming out of like fucking Walter Cronkite shit and now it's like (laughs) fuck that guy that's what Republicans would be saying right now can you imagine that that's crazy we need another Walter Cronkite to bring us all together Uh, you can be the next one Jordan yeah Jordan do it alright you got Alan Watts on your your arm dude I do yeah Yeah. you do yeah I uh 
feel guilt over having one tattoo and it being a white man. <laughs> oh, well, I awesome. like the contrast. I'm going to die with this dude. I got a white guy on my shoulder, too. Hey, I, 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 I got a white guy. Down here, so. Mine will look like a black guy no matter who I put on. So. <laughs> that's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Cohen. There's someone in blackface. Right, right. Oh, no. Uh, guys, great news. Cohen reported to prison this week. Mm-hmm. And he had, he may have had that Hail Mary rabbit out of the hat thing after all, and it involves Falwell Jr., and Jaleesa will have that in hot notes for oh, us. Yeah. Uh, and this week in What the Fuck, we found out Manafort was disbarred, which is pretty much the same time we all found out he was a lawyer, <laughs> and then all simultaneously confused as to how disbarment isn't fucking automatic when you're convicted of eight felonies. I think they're too backed up with other criminals, right? That they is, have to be. That is bananas. But anyhow, ding dong, the dick's disbarred. So Yeah. He was suspended since January, I guess. Suspended in January, yeah. disbarred just now. I canceled him years ago. So <laughs> Yeah, I cancel you. <laughs> All right, so we already know that the House is fighting tooth and nail with subpoenas for Trump's tax returns uh, with the IRS and Steve. Uh, and everyone is worried this could take forever, years, right? We might not get his tax returns until after the election, and that's how Trump wants it. But... Maybe the courts aren't going to go as slow as everyone thinks. Uh, In one of the best orders from a judge I've ever read this week, Judge Mehta, who is over, uh, who's presiding over the Mazar's tax firm case, said that instead of a preliminary hearing, a preliminary injunction hearing on May 14th, followed by additional hearings and maybe permanent injunction hearings and then trial proceedings, he said under Rule 65, uh, 2A or A2, uh, we're just going to do the entire thing on May 14th. Uh, trial, hearing, everything. Nice. We have one question to answer, and that's whether the congressional subpoena is lawful, and we don't need any more talks. No talky talks. I'm ready to rule. <laughs> I love this order. If you get a chance, read it, and then put some beans on the court ruling against Trump yes. on Tuesday. Yes, order. it's totally happening. Yeah. Order! <laughs> this is why judges need to be not politically motivated at all, because mm-hmm. they do shit like this. It's and- a check that they have on... And- if Democrats were doing the same thing and using delay tactics, I would also hope that a judge would apply the same judgment Absolutely. on that. We do get some Democrat justice a little bit later in the show. Mm. You guys are going to be like, what? Okay. It's insane. Uh, let's see. Stone. Uh, here's what's going on with Stone, right? Stone requested. He's, 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 his case is being presided with by Judge Jackson, if you're nasty. Mm-hmm. Amy Berman Jackson. Yes, yes. And so he wanted to get the full Mueller report as part of his discovery. Like, I need, I, I need to get all the evidence against me. Mm-hmm. Well, not only did... Judge Jackson say, hang on a minute, uh, settle. Uh, I need to see the entire Mueller report yes. so that I can figure out what's going on. I think pages 41 to 65, all the stuff having to do with Stone. Yeah. And so she so ordered it. She ordered it in a minute order. Give it to me. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Nice. She's supposed to get it tomorrow. Wow. Or May 14th, 13th tomorrow. or 14th. Well, that'd be an interesting way to spend Mother's Day <clears throat> if she gets it today, but wow. Oh, no. Yeah, no, she, I, we were thought she was going to be reading it tonight, but she's not getting it on Sunday. Tomorrow? She gets Tomorrow. it Monday. That's so the right. Webbies, yeah, while we're getting our awards, she'll be reading. Yes. She's going to be having kind of a more interesting night. We'll have a great night, but that's some juicy stuff. The full Mueller report? Uh, just the Stone stuff, oh, having to do with still. Stone, but all the redacted But the unredacted, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's an open ongoing matter, so interesting. Uh, let's see, Giuliani, bat boy, uh, what a douche. He decided he was going to take a trip to Ukraine, which he called the Ukraine. So, oh, well, you know, fuck you again. I guess, yeah, yeah. I guess, <laughs> I guess it's not just me right. who makes that mistake, but I'm trying to correct yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you actually give a fuck about correcting it. I'm trying to come correct. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Um, it does. Oh, good. But he, but he wanted to go to U- Ukraine to uh, work with investigators there to investigate 
uh, Joe Biden's exactly. Set. And so basically, what it what it was is I think Joe Biden's son sat on the board of what was the company called Burisma. Okay. Uh, I think it was like a petroleum company or something like that. Uh, I could be wrong on the kind of c- company, but right. I'm pretty sure it's called Burisma because it sounded like barista with an M. Okay. Uh, and that's how I remembered it. Uh, <laughs> But he, 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 his son sat on the board of that, and apparently Biden used his power as vice president to get the head prosecutor in Ukraine tossed out because he was investigating something going on with that company mm. that Biden's son was on the board of. Okay. And then uh, everyone went, you can't fucking do that, Giuliani. Right. Well, I'm can't... thinking Logan Act-ish, right? Because Joe Biden's a presidential candidate, Trump's a presidential candidate, and he's Trump's lawyer. Interfering with an investigation like this to, it seems to interfere with the campaign, right? Like, I don't that... think it's the Logan Act because he's part of the administration, or okay. at least he's a lawyer and they're in power. There's got to be some bill or law could, that he's could breaking. be, though, because he's not a government official? Yeah, I'm very confused. And he went on, um, I think it was Fox or something, where he was saying, I don't even think that like Joe Biden like is going to be in trouble. He's like, I just think that people need to investigate it now because that it's better than doing it later but then in the same breath he was like yeah this guy needs to go down he's like he's not making any sense classic Giuliani but you know I'm very weirded out by this whole thing yeah I think the law he's breaking is the one that they were investigating Trump for which is or oh, the Trump pro- campaign for, which is, is yeah, to yeah. get an in-kind camp- campaign contribution something of value right that from a foreign entity mm-hmm. that helps your campaign it's yeah. just you have to find a value for it and you can't be too dumb to mm-hmm. realize it's going on Don Jr. exactly yeah I just I thought it was funny how Giuliani was really trying to convince people that he was doing this in Biden's best interest. He was like, yeah, just get this investigation out the way now so you can run for president later. (laughs) What's really good, though, is Giuliani is a lawyer. He's been a a U.S. attorney. He knows what mens rea is, and he's not too dumb to understand he's committing a crime. They couldn't pull the Don Jr. on him. Right, right. They just have to make it a thing of value. Yeah, well, I hope that doesn't play out for him. Not that Biden probably isn't guilty of anything like that, but I just find that Rudy's involvement just taints the whole thing for me. Yeah, like, and, and yeah. a foreign entity as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, illegal. Yeah. As long as you can assign value to right. whatever they give you, like, which, they, which they couldn't do in the Mueller report. When, exactly. when they got that stuff from the Veselnitskaya stuff, the, they couldn't assign value to— And the Hillary emails. They couldn't the figure out— which Hillary is, emails. Aren't her emails priceless? Like, <laughs> She's Hillary Clinton. Sorry. <laughs> What's the status on that actual story of Biden doing that? Do you know? No, I don't know. Because uh, that's not chill. No, it's not chill. But no. I mean, it might have been nothing. Well, what Biden is saying is that they were trying to get rid of that guy anyway because he was a corrupt piece mm-hmm. of shit. And that is true. Sure, sure. Uh, but whether or not it had anything to do with one of his investigations being a, into a company that his board sat a son sat on the board for yeah. it. Mm. And Rudy, being yeah. Trump's lawyer, needs to shut the fuck up about it, even if it is true, and let someone else investigate it. Just pass it along to someone else. Don't be the face of it. Like, or what why is wasn't it... investigated? That seems like a statute of limitations. Right. Right. Well, what is he going to do? Like, land in Ukraine with a tape recorder or something? Just walking around, like, <laughs> talking to people? Well, when everyone came out and said, you're fucking insane, you can't do that, he canceled his trip. So mm-hmm. he's canceled it. And But uh, Trump is leaving open the possibility of investigating the Bidens, which is Also weird. really weird. Yeah, Sleepy I'm all Joe. for investigating Biden, especially for like his creepy behavior. If, if people say that they never felt like he assaulted or you know, the, like I can get a, I can forgive him for being a little touchy filly because that happens. Yeah, what were you saying? How rapey are you on a scale yeah, from Biden to Trump? Exactly. But if there's more to it, then yeah, I'm all for an investigation of things. But Rudy and Trump should not be the ones leading that. 
Trump called uh, Biden on Twitter, called him Sleepy Creepy Joe. Sleepy that's Creepy his, Joe. That's his new, or Creepy Sleepy? Sleepy Creepy. One I, of like, those. I like Sleepy Creepy better. Trump is going to have stuff in the cafeteria now where, like, Tuesdays are Sleepy Joe Day. Oh, oh nice. Sleep, sleepy Joe's. Start, uh, love Sleepy yeah, yeah. Joe's. Have themed, themed foods just about his stupid nicknames for all of his political enemies. Yeah, yeah. Just make everyone in the White House eat them. The White House has a cafeteria, right? I don't. I have maybe not a cafeteria. <laughs> That's true. They have a snack shack. No, yeah. I don't know. I don't know snack what they've got. Shack. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There was a great interview between uh, NPR. NPR got an exclusive interview with the Devil's Mermaid, Maria Butina. Jordan's going to go over that later in the show. Mm-hmm. Guys, we'll be right back with Hot Notes. Hey, guys. Getting in shape isn't just about losing weight. And sometimes losing weight has nothing to do with it. It's about learning healthier habits and feeling better, whether it's more energy or practicing and benefiting from self-care and mindfulness. Well, what if I told you you could get all of your self-care, health, and fitness tools in one place? Well, you can. It's called Noom. And Noom is a, it's based in psychology, not a fad diet, doesn't go for that. But it helps you identify and overcome obstacles that can get in the way of you being your best self. Noom uses personalized courses based on your health goals to help you crack your bad habits and develop new ones as part of an overall healthy lifestyle. What I love the most about Noom is the convenience. I used to have to use six different apps to get everything I needed, but now I have nutrition information, a food log, a step counter, an exercise log, a goal specialist, plus an entire community of support all in one place. Jordan, you've used Noom for a while. What do you like about Noom? Yeah, um, really, they have all the tools in one spot. It's really my favorite thing about it. I like how you can, it integrates like your step counter log into your daily food log too. So it adjusts your calories automatically if you've burned a certain amount walking. It's, yeah, it's all doing a lot of stuff in the background that's really helpful. And like you said, for me, it's not even about weight loss. It's just about making decisions that are good for my personal health. And then the fact, the, the result is weight loss. Yeah, it sometimes. Just and sometimes, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're just building muscle and, you know, toning up and eating well and yeah, feeling better. And guys, best of all, Noom is not a diet. It's a healthy and easy to stick to way of life, right? Noom teaches moderation, which is perfect to counteract my all or nothing approach to health. And it only takes 10 minutes a day. There's no guilt, there's no shaming, just you and your goals with all the help you need in the palm of your hand. Uh, I wanted to have a better relationship with food, and I wanted to get stronger and feel healthier. And using Noom these past four months, I lost about 14 pounds initially, uh, just as a side effect of overcoming the mental obstacles that were making me unhealthy. Uh, I've been able to maintain that for the past month or so, and which is great because I used to be totally carb-free, sugar-free, and fun-free because I had it in my head that if I broke down and ate a burrito, I wrecked the entire year. Game over. But now I have a healthy balance, a better relationship with food. I can balance the kale and the carne asada fries without feeling like I've done anything wrong. And it works, and I love this me for it. You guys really should give it a try. Head to Noom, that's N-O-O-M dot com slash A-G. Take the quick and easy evaluation to see what kind of goals work best for you and start your trial today. That's Noom.com slash A-G. Again, that's Noom.com slash A-G. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back. Hot notes. Hey guys, today, Jordan, you have a great update on the Devil's Mermaid, Maria Butina. But first, (laughs) Jaleesa, Trump's personal attorney and fixer, reported to prison this week for a crime he committed with the president. But there's more to the Cohen story this week that meets the eye, and it involves Tom Tom Arnold and Jerry Falwell Jr.? Yeah, this is crazy. So Trump retweeted Falwell Jr. this week saying he should get an extra two years as president. But apparently that's not all Falwell has been up to. Apparently Michael Cohen claims to have helped cover up the release of personal and embarrassing photos of the Liberty University president 
president right before he was in, or endorsing Trump for president in 2016. So we've got ourselves a little squid pro crow situation here. I feel like that deserves its own segment now. It's like definitely reoccurring at this point. <laughs> and the really crazy thing about all this is that apparently we found out about these pictures. I use apparently a lot. I'm so sorry, guys. It's just I like to be very like, well, I, I wasn't there, but apparently. <laughs> so uh, we found out about these pictures from a March phone call with one of my favorite people, actually, Tom Arnold. And I know Tom is a weirdo a little bit, but his investigative reporting of like the whole Trump-Russia thing, it's been one of the best things to come out of his administration. Tom even gave the Washington Post a recording of the call with Cohen. So holy shit. It's, it's not like Tom did this without Cohen's permission, too. He says that Cohen knows that he's there to help him, and their plan all along was to go after Falwell Jr. as soon as Cohen went to jail. So this is just right up, you know, with their, their agenda. And in the recording, you can hear Cohen saying, quote, there's a bunch of photographs, you know, personal photographs that somehow the guy ended up getting, and the guy he's referring to has yet to be identified. However, they suspect that he was demanding money from the Falwells. So Cohen was hired to threaten to report him to the authorities. And uh, Falwell and his attorneys deny these claims, actually. One of his lawyers said in a text message, quote, there are no compromising or embarrassing photos of Falwell, period, <laughs> with an exclamation point. So like period was the word, and then he added the exclamation point, <laughs> which is very suspicious, right? Like no blackface pictures. Period, from... <laughs> exclamation point. <laughs> no dick pics out there. Yeah, I'm not convinced. And yeah, no, me neither. Mm-mm. Totally. And uh, it's just really interesting because considering that Cohen claims to have a copy of this photo, I'm just like suspecting he that. He kept one, yeah, right? just one though. Yeah. Uh, the pics have been described as, quote, photos between husband, wife, and the whole bit. He also said, I actually have one of the photos. It's terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> this is really crazy. Because... Like like bad focus or just gross? Oh, yeah. Nature? Bad lighting. Totally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poorly framed. Got, got his bad side. Yeah, exactly. Which is his butt. Cohen's, <laughs> his whole side is bad. So, <laughs> oh, it's not Cohen. I'm sorry. Uh, and this really oh, is... Oh, well, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And his, the, maybe his wife and I hear a pool boy? I've I've heard crazy things, but the only thing that seems to be officially on the record is that it's terrible. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is really crazy because Falwell is the same guy who garnered Trump's crucial support from evangelicals. In fact, he was the one who wrote an essay for the Washington Post that said, Jesus said, judge not, lest ye be judged. We are all sinners. Mm. So, yeah, he got Trump pretty much off so the hook stupid. when that... that grabbing by the pussy thing came out. Yeah, so he had that thing, and then all of a sudden you get a Falwell endorsement, Mm. and Cohen kept a picture, and now there's a recorded phone call uh, between Tom Arnold and Cohen that that the Washington Post has, and I... Don't want to see the photo, but I want to know. But I want to know what's in it. Exactly. Just yeah. describe it to me. That's all. Yeah, not in too much detail yeah. though. What, what Thank position? You. Yeah. Okay. If Fair there point. was a pool boy involved, I think this is a great chance for him to switch careers. Yes. Just become take, a sugar daddy. Yeah. This is your opportunity. Come out and say, you know, I'm done with this evangelical bullshit. Mm-hmm. I like pool boys. There's nothing wrong with liking pool and boys. And change your life. Nothing wrong with, like, being, you know, open with your wife or whatever. I just don't like the hypocrisy. Obviously, yeah, and that's we, our we only problem. We talked about this before, yeah, uh, yeah. In, in, I think, in some previous daily episodes, is that we are so down for threesomes with your pool boy. Yes, yes. Take photos Sign the whole up. bit, but yes. then don't run Liberty University and bash gays and, and do all this anti-LGBTQ And claim AI that Trump has stolen years from his presidency. Stop. Years. <laughs> right, Stalin years. He spelled stolen wrong. Yeah, uh, just yeah. that's what that's about. But yeah, it's very suspicious. All of this lining up the timeline, and yeah, it's Cohen's just a whole yeah. moral majority. You know, mm-hmm. I'm better than you. Family values. Right, right. And then the, it's like you can't run that. Do evangelicals? Are you allowed to have sex for pleasure? 
in that religion? I think so, right? When you or is that looked down upon as like I really don't know. I mean, I guess existing is Probably just a some. sin. So Did you know that I, humans and pigs are apparently the only two species that have sex for pleasure. I guess dolphins, dolphins should be considered. Do too. Dolphins are aggressive. They're rapey. Yeah, yeah. Pigs can have orgasms for up to thirty minutes. I read. What? Yeah, that's a meme thing. I don't know if that's a hundred percent. Too much to do. Wouldn't that strain your? <laughs> and who the has the time? Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah. pigs yeah. have all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah, give me a second or two. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, interesting story about Falwell Jr. Uh, and that endorsement and some Squid Pro Crow. I can't wait to to hear again. Not too many details, but what comes out uh, in that? <laughs> Just, what yeah. comes out besides Falwell? Definitely. <laughs> comes out in the wash. All right, Jordan, what's going on with uh, Devil's Mermaid? Yeah, so NPR got an amazing interview. They talked to Maria Butina from her detention center, which is in um, Alexandria, right outside Washington, D.C., where she's been detained. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty insane. Mary Louise Kelly was talking to her, and I really love love her her. as an interviewer. Yeah, Yeah, she's really brilliant, and she did a great job with this, and holds her accountable. And I could sense some, like, stank on her questioning, because I think, I don't know, I do not think she was buying her story at all. Because her whole the whole point of this interview on Maria's behalf was to say that everything that's happened has just been a big misunderstanding. To conceive of this all as if it was some grand orchestrated Russian plot and she was a part of it, just as everybody else was. That's outlined in the Mueller report, and everything mm-hmm. is extremely misguided and and you know unfair. She says that she really loves America and she considers herself like a, a devout follower of Russia and America, and <laughs> and she was just trying to do peace building efforts and. With God. Peace, loving guns. Yes, with guns. And she she says that uh, Russia doesn't really give a shit about guns. So they really don't actually. No, they, right. They don't have a Second Amendment. Yeah, and anti that. Yes, right. and so she was saying the fact that Putin and the Russian government right now is coming out on her behalf, saying Fruity Butina is like very surprising to her because the cause that she champions is one that Russia doesn't care about at all. So did she not know Putin was the guy she was working for? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like she yeah. thought it was a different guy, maybe like under Putin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know if she fails to realize that that's how Russia infiltrates American politics is through organizations like the NRA and yeah. religious organizations like, and anti-LGBTQ plus stuff. That's that's how they get that's how they get in. So yes. that's why Russia would have such a seemingly interest, giant interest in the National Rifle Association being a non-gun country. Right, it's a new strategy. for Yeah, them. the yeah. other way to interpret that being you know out of place, as she's saying it is, is that it was very intentional and very in place. That's and one that's way you exactly could interpret why, it. Yeah, that's exactly why she did it and why they did it. But she says none of her stuff was in the Mueller report, and once people get to see the unredacted version or whoever sees it, they would also find that she doesn't show up in those redacted portions either. And she's really sticking to her guns. Hey, We'll be here all weekend. Yes. Um, saying that she shouldn't be lumped in with everything else that's going on in the Mueller report. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, she's she also, the thing that was very uh, a big tell for me was when she, you know, she was holding face the whole time, just saying like, no, 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 I didn't mean to do anything. I just, it was a simple mistake that I didn't register as a foreign agent. That was it. Simple mistake. But I will say that I have been treated very unfairly and there's no proof. The American government has no proof of the allegations that they've made against me. And she said, that deeply concerns me and it should concern all of you too mm. at home in America that, that the justice system right is me. doing this. Trump talking points. Yeah. Yes. So, and if there's no proof against you, why did you plead guilty? 
Oh. Yeah. And also, how are you going to sit here and say that you have all this reverence for America and you love America so much and then just slip that talking point in there that everybody should question the government? Yeah. Like, I love America. Don't trust them. That was so strange. And maybe, okay, giving her the benefit of the doubt, maybe she just like said too many things. Like she should have left it at the comment before the last one and she didn't mean to sound so suspicious, but that is very suspicious. Like, yeah. No, I, yeah. The I most love sus- that you give people the benefit of the doubt. It's That's possible. So cool. Yeah. It no, is. It I, is totally possible. But like, you know, because no like, way in hell do I believe that if though. she just came over, she was a student. She fell in love with Beauty and the Beast and, and Paul Erickson and, <laughs> and the Little Mermaid. And, uh, the whole, you know, all she the Disney really cared thing. about America. She wanted to be a student, even though he was paying uh, someone to do all of her homework and take her tests for her. But she was really <laughs> into the whole idea. And she was just sort of doing some stuff that might, you know, bring Russia and America closer together through the National Rifle Association when there's no guns in Russia. Uh, in her defense, okay. and I mean this sarcastically, that is so American, like coming in, having someone else do your work, making all this money, loving guns. Like, she actually pulled off the stereotype just enough to get, like, caught. (laughs) And that's what you do when you're a a plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also think that if she was actually here on behalf of both America and Russia trying to engage in these peace-building operations, this interview would have sounded like, I understand the history that Russia has with the U.S. and why people would, you know, jump to the conclusion that I was part of that scheme. That has been uncovered and detailed and investigated in full already because of how much of a thing it is. She could have said something like, I understand why they would feel inclined to group me in with that major effort. Exactly. But she doesn't say anything it's like totally that whatsoever. Like a lack of self-awareness or shamelessness. And either one is not, it's not good yeah. for her position. Yeah. No. yeah. Uh, so she said, uh, she said, I have said what I always said. I do not lie, which is obviously the most suspicious thing anyone can say. Um, And then as if that's enough, you're like, oh, okay. All right. Well, I then always I'll back trust off. someone more that says they like, or 99% sure of something instead of 100 because it's just like admitting that there's a chance that you're wrong or that you are you lie sometimes would make me trust you more yeah. than to be like, I never lie. Yeah, and, and, and that's never, always yeah. how Putin and Russia responds to these allegations of things against them too that oftentimes turn out to be corroborated as true, mm-hmm. right? Like with Skripal and, and like all of these heinous acts that the Russian government has taken a huge role in. They mm-hmm. just say 100% no, nothing to do with it. 100% no. It's offensive no you photos, to even suggest period. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, people don't like 100%. Uh, right? I, I found that out. Uh, well, for all, I mean, all whales are mammals. Cool. <laughs> and that's why I was reluctant to say it. But I, I, I shared an article uh, on Twitter this week. 100% of unwanted pregnancies are caused by men. Mm-hmm. I, I think we lost like 50 followers yeah, for that one. Yeah, that's fair but i do like that you know you put yourself out there and win some you lose some yeah whatever i hope they were men (laughs) oh yeah go ahead no Um, i'm sure it was yeah it was all right i'm sorry come back guys yeah but uh but yeah so just to wrap it up she closed the interview with saying that she still loves this country and she says how can i hate this country after i have so many friends here i do love this country sebastian and she's got the prince her crab (laughs) yeah you gotta bat your eyes yeah yeah all her little sea friends why would she want to leave fuck your lips yes (laughs) Um, yeah, I guess when she's in jail, we'll find out if she really is a redhead because oh. her hair will grow out. Okay, I was like, <laughs> okay, where I was like wait, are we going to get strip search photos or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It will yeah. grow out. Well, yes, and she ends it by saying, you I get hair dye in prison, can't you? Mm-hmm. It's just going to be Kool-Aid. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I didn't think about that. You can write books. You can dye her hair. Yeah, you can get cherry red. Yep. It's cherry basically cherry like red. that Dane. What's that prison that's like very, very 
compassionate to the inmates and they see like a much better success rate mm. in recidivism. I didn't see that Netflix Like show. Sweden or something. Yeah. I forget where it is. Denmark. Or... Yeah. Denmark oh, sounds yeah. right. Amsterdam sounds nice too. <laughs> totally random. <laughs> Anyways, she ends up by saying that she wishes... I didn't mean to cut you off with that. No, I'm so that sorry. Was, um, fine. <laughs> she says that... Uh, I do love this country, and I wish you guys the best. Well, thank you. Uh, good luck with your life, Maria. <laughs> yeah, that's a really weird and, and like parting set of words to say for yeah. someone that says they love this country and intends to like stay in it's it. It's almost like good luck in twenty twenty. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I wish you guys the best. Peace. Like, what does she know? She just like slurps into the earth and pops up in Russia. <laughs> does the jetpack jet thing? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's sorry. We were talking about Jordan on a jetpack. I think mm-hmm. in yesterday. The old spaceman goodbye. Yeah. The old spaceman goodbye. <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretty great episode. If, if you're not a patron, you should check it out. Yeah, that was a fun one. So that's it. All right. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you're you welcome. for that. Thank you both. Um, all right, guys. In my eyes, apart from all the White House obstruction and the letter from 800 prosecutors and Junior being subpoenaed, the big news for me this week dropped late Friday, and it was that two-time uh, that two wait what is it. Two-time Don McGahn exoneration ask. (laughs) That's what I've called it. Uh, I'm like, two-timing what? Uh, As we all know, McGahn appears a zillion times in the Mueller report. I think it's named like 150 times, particularly in the section on obstruction, um, which is the section that nearly 800 prosecutors wrote their letter about, right, Mm -hmm. that I read for you. In a stunning story, first reported by the Wall Street Journal and then quickly confirmed by the New York Times and NBC, who expanded on it, uh, we've learned this week that on two separate occasions in the last month, the White House reached out to Don McGahn to ask him to publicly declare that he did not think Trump obstructed justice. The first time the White House contacted McGahn's lawyer, Burke, was after Barr shared the Mueller report with Trump's lawyers. Remember, he sat him down, Seculo and Giuliani, and mm-hmm. let him read it before it was released to the public and Congress. Apparently, Seculo and Giuliani were mad that the Mueller report didn't include McGahn saying that he didn't think Trump obstructed justice, which they insist that he said, but is not in his testimony under oath to Mueller. Because apparently Burke told Giuliani and Seculo that McGahn didn't think Trump obstructed justice. He said that a while ago, and that's what he told, that's what he was saying to Mueller. He didn't think that he obstructed justice. Mm-hmm. That's what That's what McGahn's lawyer told Trump's lawyers. Million dollars said he was just trying to get him off his back because Burke told him that right after he told him that right after the New York Times reporting that McGahn had spent over 30 hours talking to Mueller. So I figure basically what happened is is Trump read the reports from the New York Times that they that Don McGahn spent 30 hours talking to Mueller and then he got really pissed. And then to chill everybody out, Burke said to Seculo and Giuliani, oh, don't worry, my client doesn't think Trump obstructed justice. Oh. And so when Giuliani and, and Secula were reading the report before we got a hold of it and before Congress got a hold of it, they're like, Where, he, he's, he's, where's it? It's not in here. Oh, they lied to him. And so then uh, McGahn refused to exonerate the president when asked to do so. I love that. They called him up and they said, hey, can you tell McGahn to go out to the public and say that he didn't obstruct justice? And McGahn's like, I'm not going to do that. That is a huge deal. Then again, the White House reached out via phone call from Emmett Flood to Burke right after the redacted Mueller report was made public and asked McGahn again if he would say publicly that he didn't think the president had committed obstruction of justice. And he rebuffed them again. Right around that, because he, he knows. He's like, I'm not going to help you obstruct justice. He's not going to perjure himself or whatever the equivalent. Him, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Don't you remember from the last time when I wouldn't do all your shit? Why do you think I'm going to do this shit? <laughs> I hate you more now. <clears throat> yeah, and right around that time, on the second rebuff, 
if you look back at Twitter history, Giuliani began publicly attacking Don McGahn. And I'm sorry, but this is straight up witness intimidation. Yes. And I had uh, reporting that Trump was pissed after McGahn rebuffed him. But now that reporting seems to be missing from the articles. Hmm. I don't know what that's about. Interesting. But as we all know, McGahn's 30-hour testimony is probably some of the most important in the Mueller report because it helped outline 11 instances, which we thought was 10, but now it's up to 11 instances of obstruction of justice. And in an ironic twist, the fact that Trump allowed Mr. McGahn to cooperate so freely with a special counsel will forever waive his right to exert executive privilege over any evidence related to the obstruction of justice, not to mention you can't exert privilege over a crime. Wow. We're like one more obstruction of justice away from a calendar, yeah. potentially. Yeah. The 12 obstructions <laughs> yeah, of justice. One for every month, yeah. So according to the New York Times, uh, the president's lawyers are especially concerned about two of the instances of obstruction. The first is where Trump asked him to fire the special counsel, McGahn, and after the public reporting came out that Trump asked McGahn to falsify a White House document, rebutting his account. So what what I want to know is, did Barr know about the White House asking McGahn to publicly exonerate Trump of obstruction when he testified to Congress? I also want to know if Trump knew about knew about it or told Emmett Flood to ask or if Emmett did it on his own. Because if Trump ordered it and Barr knew about it, that's conspiracy to commit motherfucking obstruction of justice, which apparently the president is unable to stop committing. He's either an idiot, he doesn't care, or he thinks he'll get away with it by winning 2020. Yeah, yeah. This does explain his logic. It's not so much that he thinks these laws don't exist, but they don't apply to him in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the Mueller report first came out and there was all those, you know, talking head discussions on NPR and everything, someone said something that I thought was a good way to put it, that his opinion was regardless, you know, maybe it's the case that Trump didn't willingly commit these crimes, but he is now counterpunching his way into criminality. Yeah, yeah. And, and I People think that, that at the very least, that's what's happening. Yeah, the perjury yeah. trap. <laughs> yeah. It's the perjury trap. With Lindsay Lohan. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do the Haley Mills, but yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and, <laughs> it's a generational thing, right? It Coming is. together. It is. Yes, yes. I like the 60s. Uh, and just to be crystal clear, guys, when we call McGann the John Dean of Stupid Watergate, and we did indeed get the phrase Stupid Watergate from John Oliver. Thank yes, you, John yes. Oliver. Oh, nice. Uh, and we in no way, we no way think he's some kind of hero. Uh, he was a criminal. The FBI, this is John Dean, they referred him. They referred to him, the FBI referred to him, John Dean, as the master manipulator of the cover-up. Oh. He was sentenced to one to four years in federal prison. Now, people can redeem themselves, and we'll see what happens. But please don't for one second think I'm insinuating McGahn as a hero. So far, he has not Jamie Lannistered his way into my good graces. So <laughs> Right, and we're making very, you call them strange bedfellows? Is that what, how you refer to it? Yeah. Yeah, this administration is pulling out a lot of strange, like, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So. Politics makes for strange bedfellows. Totally. I didn't, that's an old... Yeah, yeah. But it's true. And I, I, I prefer that. A little bit that. of goody. Yeah. All right. But what's especially interesting about this week with all the talk about obstruction is that when asked about his thoughts on the subpoena uh, issues uh, for his dickhead son, mm-hmm. uh, Trump said uh, after basically Trump said Mueller, he goes, Mueller exonerated Jr. I don't know why he's calling him back in. No do overs. <laughs> no take back. No dem do. Yeah. I saw yeah. Yeah. Nine. Uh, and then he called the Mueller report the Bible. And when he wrapped up, instead of his usual no collusion, no obstruction, he downgraded to no collusion, essentially no obstruction. Well, fucking essentially no obstruction. (laughs) Fucking essential. (laughs) All right, guys, are you ready for sabotage? Yes.
Remember that court case with the BuzzFeed FOIA lawsuit, Freedom of Information Act request mm-hmm. lawsuit, where the judge was like, let's wait to see what the Mueller report looks like, but I want to retain the right to determine if the Attorney General Bill Barr's redactions to the report are appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, that judge, Reggie Walton, said that Barr has, quote, created an environment that has caused a significant part of the American public to be concerned about whether there will be full transparency, Mm -hmm. unquote. And he said he might need to review the full unredacted report to see if what Barr blacked out was appropriate. Uh, This new report, there's now a new, the DOJ has turned over a new redacted Mueller report uh, to the to BuzzFeed. And the new report doesn't just give bars four reasons for redactions, right? He had four categories. It gives more detail as to why the stuff is redacted. So for example, in the Cohen section where there's big redaction for harm to an ongoing matter, the new report indicates that what is redacted isn't just harm to an ongoing matter. It's uh, stuff that pertains to records or information compiled for law enforcement purposes that the release of which would deprive a person of a right to a fair trial or an impartial adjudication and for personal privacy. So with all this additional information, BuzzFeed can now challenge the redactions if it chooses. So can you repeat that personal privacy part at the end? Just and personal privacy. In general. So that's a redaction just for personal privacy reasons. Well, that whole redaction has like six different – well, it's got – it can be uh, records of information compiled for law enforcement purposes, the release of which would deprive a person the right to a fair trial. Yes. And personal privacy. So there's two reasons those things are redacted. Because I, I, well, my thinking is, if I'm understanding this correctly, that's not harm to an ongoing matter. That falls under the other – one of the four reasons, right? Which is right, but it is in this FOIA in the nine reasons uh, for why you would redact material uh, in a FOIA yeah. release. Mm-hmm. That it's in there, and so protect like this particular sentence wasn't just harm to an ongoing matter, but it also violated personal privacy. Got it. Instead of grouping it in together, which Barr did, just calling it harm to an ongoing okay, matter. Okay, cool. Yes. Okay, got it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and and I'm surprised he didn't also say on personal privacy. Yeah. Because one that was one of his four categories too. Right. Mm. It just looks bad when you uncover it, or he gives more of the explanation, and it turns out that one of them was also another thing other than just the harm yes. to an ongoing and investigation. And this is where BuzzFeed can say, uh, I think this could be bullshit. And that's where Reggie Walton needs to have a full and redacted report so he can determine if it's bullshit. Exactly. So look for that. All right, guys, are you probably ready to play the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. Yes. Yo, this is why Clef Refuge cries well. You might not have heard, but we had an indictment this week. Praz Michelle. Founding member of the Fugees has been indicted of four counts of making illegal foreign donations to the Obama campaign. Oh, mm. my God. So you all remember Jolo, I'm sure, the Malaysian 1MDB fellow that stole and laundered like $4 billion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's been charged for that. Mm-hmm. Well, he gave Praz Michelle, founding member of the Fugees, about $21 million, and he then took about $865,000 of that and funneled it into Obama's 2012 campaign using straw donors. Wow. Thank you. I'm <laughs> okay. just kidding. No, I'm just okay. kidding. Yeah. I mean, I have so many things to say, but you want to... <laughs> yeah, let me finish. Let me yeah, finish yeah. Over. Now, the indictment refers to Obama as candidate A, uh, but we know it's him, and the indictment says that he was totally unaware of these donations. Mr. Michelle and Mr. Lowe have both been charged with violations of campaign finance law and conspiracy to defraud the United States government. Mr. Michelle has additionally been charged with concealing material facts and lying in connection with the conspiracy. Joe Lowe is at large, but Mike Michelle, excuse me, not Michael, Michelle appeared in court on Friday and pleaded not guilty to the charges. So if you had Pras Michelle from the Fugees on your fantasy indictment team, you get Good a point. Call. Yeah. Because Holy shit. This certainly stemmed from 
the Mueller probe. It's probably one of the referred cases. And as we have always said and always maintained, if you find Democrats or those that support them who broke these laws, charge them with a crime. So now we have two, Pras Michelle of the Fugees and Greg Craig, the lobbyist who oh, worked for Manafort. This is and this is no different from the Sam Patton case, where he was indicted using straw donors to funnel Russian money to the Trump inaugural. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah. what's the actual charge? Uh, funneling money, too much money, like passing the um the like they can't give that much money, so he funneled it through different things. Is foreign that... money, foreign money. Yeah, that this was is the from problem. the Malaysian One MDB fund. Okay, so because because Sam Patton took uh, pro-Russian Ukrainian money mm-hmm. from a Ukrainian oligarch. Yeah. Got a straw donor set up and put it into the Trump fifty thousand dollars into Trump inaugural by saying he was buying tickets to the inauguration. So it's not so much the amount, but where it came from. Right. Got it. So now, the, yeah, the concept of like foreign influence buying, totally. based, buying. So yeah, now we've yeah. got Pras Michelle taking Malaysian money yeah. from Jolo and funneling uh, almost a million dollars of it into Obama's campaign. Oh my god! I have a parody about Jolo. It's like a JLo parody. Like, don't be fooled by the doctor they got. I'm still Jolo from the block. I'm like writing a whole thing. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> but so, but it was also laundered money. Uh yes, the, right. the four well it was four billion stolen. I don't know if the twenty one million he got was laundered. Okay, yeah. Okay, got it. Also, sorry to cut you off. No, you're so fine. I just had that, that was in my brain. I was trying to. <laughs> so, I can't wait to hear that because oh, when yeah, I yeah. yeah, I was wondering if the charge included that it like because it was also laundered money or something that that's mm, yeah. I don't know. I have to look. I'd have to read the charging document. Okay. I'm all for people like getting charged for doing illegal things. Um, I do understand morally why he felt compelled to donate to Obama, but yes, just play by the rules. It's not that hard. It's yeah. not. It's mm-hmm. Obama had a lot of money. He didn't need you to break the rules for him. Mm-mm. Yeah, just don't do it. How are you allowed to give that? That much money. Small donations through straw donors. But domestic okay. ones, would that be okay if he did that with different domestic companies or organizations and like funneled the money through that? Not if the money came from a foreign source. Right. Let's just right. say with the amount that he did. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. No I know people on. do that all well, the time. You need That's to funnel like packs it at that point. And right. You could Good just point. give it to a super pack. Yeah, What's exactly. the number? I think, oh, super packs don't have a, a cap, do they? Nah, that's, I don't think so. Yeah, huh. the whole like that's why they're super. Maybe twenty six hundred dollars per, I, or forty eight okay. for a. That's a, a lot to me. Really. for a, a corporation. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But it's definitely under like five thousand dollars. Is like how much for one individual? individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like yeah, this yeah. whole Citizens United bummer. That's yeah. right. Yeah, we'll get we'll get the the facts on all that. But mm-hmm. the, the main story here is the Fuji's. Has been yes. indicted in the Mueller probe. Oh my fucking Ready god! Or not, I never thought here they we'd... come. There's so many like memes that come to mind. Uh, I never thought we would fucking get here. All right, Jordan, uh, you get to go first. Yay, Sater. Okay. okay. All right. Now that Sater. this whole DTJ <clears throat> subpoena. All right, my turn. Pras Michelle plea, plea agreement. Oh wow. Oh fuck. Because if he Duh. has anything to offer law enforcement, he should do it. That's what Sam Patton did. He helped, and he got probation. Yeah, Remember? just no. probation and a fine. Do you know how to spell his name? I can Google it, but Pras, like... P-R-A-S, mm-hmm. Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L. I actually really like that for a guy. It's very, um, very 2019. Yes, yeah. um, that's a good, that's a great call because the the not guilty plea. Yeah, yeah, very cool. All also. right, is Thank it you. me? Okay. Yeah, that's you. I'm actually going to go with Weiselberg. Still holding out for that. Still holding out for mm-hmm. Weiselberg. Cool. I'm going to go with uh, AMI. Wait, it's my turn. Oh, sorry. Oh. AMI. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I wasn't going to do anyway. Honors code. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do Julian Assange. Cool. AMI. Yes, yes. Well, since his cat's fine, or what used to be his cat, I'm not going to pick him. Um, Sherry Dillon. Nice. Yeah. Pecker. <laughs> You've selected Pecker. <laughs> Wait, is it your turn? No. That, oh, okay, okay. That was, I was just nice, giving, nice. giving her the voice. What are you holding out for specifically with AMI? Uh, the fact that they 
fucked up their non-prosecution agreement by extorting uh, yes. the whole, you know, the whole the extortion pictures. thing. pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. Uh, and, and along those lines, Dylan Howard, the f- attorney, uh, he was also given a, a non-prosecution agreement That's uh, right. with uh, AMI. Hell yeah. So I'm sorry, it was your third pick, right, A.G.? Did I miss it? Yeah, uh, mine is Dylan Howard. Is That's my, right. Okay. My third pick. She had Pecker. Okay, but but yeah, you skipped her, right? So I'll just put it down for you if you want. Or did no you? Because I have it, no. I have Seder and Assange for you. And Seder, you... I had Seder, Assange, Pecker. Okay, maybe yeah. I'm just bad with orders of things. Yeah, she okay. said Pecker, Got and then it. I said you've selected Pecker. Yes. Oh, that's why I said I that. am bad. When I smoke weed, I... I'm the same way. I'll just like mix up the rotation. Like I'm so bad at Dude, this. Dude, I do it all the time. It's no. my turn now, right? Thank it you. Is. Okay, You're writing okay. them down. Of course. Um, I'm gonna do Brittany Kaiser. Yeah, I knew you were gonna do that. Yes. All right, I'm going. Donald Trump Jr. Ooh, big money. Yeah, I put that last week and it sent vibes out into the universe and he got subpoenaed. So, yes, yes, good beans out in the universe. Yeah, Uh, I'm gonna go Corsi. Okay, plea agreement. That guy. No, I don't think he's gonna do a plea agreement, just Corsi. Yeah, he's like a sad build a bear. (laughs) (laughs) So sad. Um, Trump org. I'm gonna do Trump inaugural. All right. Oh, I skipped you that time. Yeah, then yeah, I'm yeah. going to do the Trump Foundation. All right. And we're done. Right? Done. Yeah, yeah. we're done. Mm-hmm. That should be it. Cool. Thanks you got your awesome. fifth one in? I believe so. Uh, I have Weiselberg, uh, Sherry Dillon, Kaiser, Trump Org. Oh, let me get that last one. Rando. Rando. All right. Yeah. Doing the Rando. That's random when we pick a random person or a Russian. Random Russian. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how we do the Fantasy and Diamond League. Yay. Uh, stick around, guys. We'll be uh, right back after this quick break for an interview with the election. The election security expert, Jennifer Cohn. You guys are going to absolutely love everything that she has to say. And it's really important that we listen to this stuff. So we'll be right back. Hey, guys. As you all know, I battle with secondary anxiety from PTS. And for a long time, I was looking for something other than pharmaceuticals to help with some of the lingering symptoms. And that's when I heard about CBDs. So I tried Sagely Naturals. Sagely is a safe and effective way to promote health and um, to promote a state of balance in the mind and in the body. And now you can try it and get 20% off your first order by visiting sagelynaturals.com slash AG. Uh, CBD can be found in everyday plants like broccoli and kale, but it's most abundant in hemp. And Sagely Naturals extracts their CBD from hemp grown in the United States and puts it into products that can help you with insomnia, stress, anxiety, and all kinds of issues that can throw you off balance. Not only are the Sagely products THC-free, which means you get the benefits of CBDs without any psychoactive side effects, but they're made with all-natural plant-based ingredients that are free from parabens, synthetic fragrances, there's no artificial colors or dyes, and there's no sulfates. Sagely Naturals has a wide range of products, including lotions, sprays, essential oils, and supplements, and they have four collections based on specific needs, including tranquility, relief and recovery, dream well, and then an extra strength formula. I personally use tranquility. It really helps me with my general generalized anxiety and stress. Sagely Naturals has me feeling like my best self, and you can get 20% off your first order at sagelynaturals.com slash AG. That's S-A-G-E-L-Y naturals.com slash AG for 20% off your first order. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA, and these products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And, wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone, this is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please, send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Tees, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. <laughs> Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that right? What we're no, drinking? It's amazing. It, it's it amazing. Right, it's just... Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so joining us today for the interview is writer, attorney, and election security advocate Jennifer Cohn. Jennifer, we've been wanting to talk to you for a while now, ever since we broached the subject of potential vote manipulation by foreign actors, which no one seemed to want to talk about uh, because of the potential implications. But we're so glad to have you. Welcome to Mueller, she wrote. Thank you very much for having me on the show. No, we, we really appreciate it. And we're, we're excited to talk to you. So can you tell us a little bit about your focus on auditing the vote and paper ballots? Sure. So my concern is first and foremost, 2020 and what well, used to be 2018. But it's 2020 and making sure that we have some mechanism for confirming the legitimacy of the election of election outcomes, whatever those outcomes might be. And uh, right now, our system doesn't really allow us to do that because we well, more than half of our states don't conduct any sort of manual audit at all. We don't have equipment that's really conducive to meaningful manual audits. So it's it's kind of it's a it's a really large task. And a lot of. The election integrity groups I noticed early on were focusing exclusively on doing manual audits with the assumption that something short of hand-marked paper ballots would still be acceptable. Any kind of paper would do. And based on my research, it became really obvious and really indisputable that that's just not the case, that the only paper record of voter intent that can provide a meaningful manual audit is a hand-marked paper ballot. And it no longer suffices, unfortunately, to say we need paper ballots because the vendors, there's no there's no universal definition of paper ballots. And so the vendors change the meaning. Um, Well, number one, you hear about audit trails. Those have been around for a while and studies have shown they're essentially useless. No one looks at them. People don't notice mistakes, even if they do, even if they notice a mistake, they don't correct it. Um, So the vendors came out with a new thing, and they call them paper ballots, but they're machine-marked summary cards with barcodes on them, and they're a nightmare, and they didn't do human usability studies. Um, The one study that was conducted showed that they're no better than uh, those voter-verifiable paper audit trails, which really indisputably have been proven a disaster. 
So I've made it sort of my quest to make sure we have a paper trail that's conducive to a legitimate, um, to a meaningful manual audit. And it's been quite a task because what I found again, early on a few years ago, I would be on these, um, you know, there are different groups who have like email exchanges and things. And some of these experts were sounding the alarm about these new systems. They're called ballot marking devices, um, that are intended for all voters It used to, and those are the ones that come up with those summary cards. And, but the public didn't know about it. And I would Google it and all these, you know, major counties, the largest counties in the swing states and elsewhere were flocking to buy these ballot marking devices. And these really well-regarded experts were expressing concern, but they weren't talking to the media and the media didn't know about it. And, um, I started writing about it because I just was so concerned that, you know, why aren't you calling the media? But a lot of them are scientists and that's just not their thing. So anyway, that, that has been my focus is making sure we have a meaningful paper trail. And then of course I want the manual audits too, but, um, that has been really my focus for the last couple of years. Yeah, wow, that's it's interesting that nobody was really talking about it, and and you know not just for auditing purposes, I assume, but maybe also uh, this could help with recounts. Yeah, we've had several issues, of instances of very close elections, and the recounts, uh, you know, are very contested. And um, I know that uh, Roger Stone was trying to start riots down down in Florida this last time, uh, along with in the year two thousand, and so it would just be really good to have these as a, as a way, as a backup way to run a manual. Um, recounts when we need them. Well, exactly. And frankly, I would prefer full re- uh, recounts or full hand counts to manual audit, but at an absolute minimum, robust public manual audits um, are a necessity. And you're right. It's not just a matter of being able to prove that we won when we win. It's also a matter of being able to prove, um, like, it, it, to. I'm sorry, it's not just a matter of being able to prove an illegitimate win is illegitimate. Let's just say hypothetically, if Trump were to um, cheat and win that way, we want to be able to prove it. But also, if he falsely claims that that we cheated, um, you want to be able to defend against that. And in the court of public opinion, if even if not, it's not necessary in the courts, the court of public opinion, as we've seen, is really important um, in recent times. And so... Yeah, we just don't have the right kind of system. And a lot of the people who have worked in this area really haven't, voter outreach was not so much their thing because they're scientists. And a lot of them, in fairness, have done this in their spare time. And many of them are used to the public not caring because before 2016, the public really was kind of, most of the public was kind of tuned out to election security. And if you raise the possibility of vote tally manipulation, you are kind of considered fringe. And so it didn't occur to them, I don't think, that they could actually sort of activate voters and that people would be, you know, they were kind of going for whatever whatever compromises they could get. And it wasn't, it's not enough. So to, you know, it's just not enough to buy these ballot marking devices and call them paper ballots. They can be hacked just like any other electronics. Right. And Trump's already been doing this. He's been calling for, the, you know, the elections rigged and he's been talking about voter fraud since before 2016 in case he lost. That was going to be his fight. And I know Nancy Pelosi has recently said if it's if the election is close, that Donald Trump might not voluntarily leave the White House. And this is all really one sided, it seems, because the only folks who don't want the correct count of votes are those are basically the Republicans. Well, you have not read my Twitter feed today then. Um, yeah, so 
I'm a Democrat, so I'm just going to put that out there because I think it's relevant. To, I just always try to be honest where I'm coming from. I'm a Democrat. I was a Hillary supporter. I still love Hillary. Um, so I'm not particularly, I'm to the left, but I'm not super to the left. Um, you know, I'm kind of like a, your centrist Democrat, I guess, maybe a little left of that. But um, the, the cons- and I will say, and I have done sort of a historical research on which party has blocked paper trail legislation more. And overwhelmingly, it's been the Republicans, but there are notable exceptions within the Democratic Party. And unfortunately, it doesn't fall neatly into the, into this. If you're a Democrat, you have a record that shows you care about election security. And if you're a Republican, you don't. Um, typically, if you're a Republican, you don't. <laughs> However, there are there are Democrats who, um, Steny Hoyer, who, you know, he's the House leader. He signed the Help America Vote Act in 2000 that did not require a paper trail. And he signed it, his company, he was a co-sponsor with Bob Ney, who was a Republican, who went to prison for accepting bribes from a Diebold voting machine company lobbyist. Hmm. Um, and then he joined with Mitch McConnell and Bob Ney to block paper trail legislation later on. So it would have banned paperless machines. He blocked it. And more recently, the reason why I brought this up, I kind of, I put this out before, but I haven't been so worried about it because certainly Democrats have pushed harder than Republicans. Although I've also expressed great frustration because they don't, with the exception of Ron Wyden, who's great. They don't push hard enough. They're, the vendors want to sell these ballot marking devices. They make them a ton of money. They cost three times as much for a lot less security. And I found an article not that long ago that showed that Nancy Pelosi's former chief of staff is now a Dominion voting lobbyist. Mm-hmm. Dominion voting is the second largest vendor in the United States. So I'm very becoming increasingly concerned that we have that the reason why the Democrats haven't been more bold on on these ballot marking devices with the exception of Ron Wyden. Um, he's the only one who's talked about the ballot marking devices and barcodes on these, you know, machine marked paper ballot crap. Um, I'm concerned that even if they don't know it, that they've fallen for vendor propaganda because the ties are too close with the voting machine companies. Um, and it, it matters not so much for casting blame, although you can do that too, but it, it Matt, you have. It's important to understand what we're dealing with when we're trying to get meaningful election security legislation. Because if if our leaders in the Democratic Party, who really have to, I mean, if we're going to get legislation, it's got it's going to start with them. If they too are, I'm sure not to the same extent, but if they too have been corrupted by overly cozy relationships with the vendors, if we've got a blue vendor red vendor thing going on, that's got to be called out or we're not going to be able to get past it. It will be a roadblock. And the reason why it came up in particular was there was a hearing yesterday in the House. Mm-hmm. And there are not many respected experts um, who are fine with these ballot marking devices. There is a tiny handful. And they managed to find the tiny. Those were the people that House called to testify. And I just know them from Twitter. And, you know, one guy, his name is um, Joseph Hall. I'd never even heard of him until I someone asked me about him and I checked his account and he'd had me blocked. And people know I have by far the largest Twitter account on election security by far. And they know that that's been my main issue and that I like to debate these things. And yet rather than, you know, have the courage to subject his views, which are pro ballot marking device, pro vendor to public scrutiny, he blocked Mm me. And you'd think if he, if, if he thought I were wrong, I mean, I put it out there publicly because if I'm wrong, I want people to tell me. And if he could show that I'm wrong, he would have done it. 
and instead he, you know, the, the and the other guy too, um, uh, another, oh, actually, I don't think he was called to testify, but so I'm just really worried. It, it seemed to me that if Dominion Voting or ESNS is the red vendor, if they had wanted, if they had been asked what experts to have testify at this hearing yesterday, these would have been the ones because what their unified message was, was throw a ton of money at it, which, and that's about it. And oh, and conduct manual audits, but no concern about what type of paper would be the basis for the audit. No concern about these ballot marking devices that um, that's what the vendors would want. Wow. So it does happen on both sides. That's really good to know. And um, uh, an important point. It's very upsetting. Yeah, it, it's very dis- it's very upsetting. And it's tricky for me to bring it out because I know that we want to maintain unity within the Democratic Party. And I am I agree with that strategy, but I also, my loyalty is not to an individual politician ever. It's, I mean, this is my issue. And if no matter what party someone's in, if they are advocating the wrong thing or just remaining silent and enough time passes where I'm pretty sure they know what the issue is, and they're just not addressing it. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. It's not just about the party. It's about the votes. And if, if we find out by voting that most people in an area want a certain thing, then I want them to have that, and I want their votes to be counted whether I agree with the policy or not. So I, I, I'm I 100% with you on that. And recently, uh, you tweeted about the voting machines and, and political donations in 22 counties in Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul's home state of Kentucky. And, and can you tell us what that could mean for the elections in 2020? Sure. Well, it's the truth is it's not specific at all to Kentucky, but um, people were tweeting a lot about Mitch McConnell the other day. There was something he did. I don't even know what. He's always doing something terrible, but I saw that and and um, I had remembered ESNS is the vendor that I mentioned um, that appears to be a red vendor. And the reason I say that it's America's largest vendor. Um, the reason I say it appears to be red is because it's donated thirty thousand dollars to the Republican State Leadership Commission Committee. Which its mission is to elect Republicans to state office, and it houses the Republican Secretary of State's Association, and it's donated thirty thousand dollars since twenty thirteen, and nothing to Democrats. Well, why are voting machine companies allowed to make donations to political parties anyway? Our system is just so freaking corrupted. <laughs> um, and and I mean, yes. So the thing with the you know Nancy Pelosi's former chief of staff, it I had been I've spent a lot of time calling out. Brian Kemp's office for playing that game with ESNS because he, his former chief of staff was on ESNS's advisory board and his new chief of staff was a lobbyist for ESNS and so that's why when I saw Nancy Pelosi I, my heart just sank. and Kemp is Georgia uh, Kemp is Georgia is that correct yeah, I'm sorry Brian Kemp is Georgia so ESNS is a national problem it accounts for the, the Wharton School of Business did a study a year ago and said it was about 44%. I actually think it's, I think that that's correct in terms of um, what its equipment is, but I think its control is actually much higher if you look at actual vendor contracts. So the reason being that they actually sold some physical equipment to Dominion Voting and the copyrights. So so when they did the study, they looked at who made the machines originally, not necessarily who has all the Uh. contracts. So So ESNS is in Kentucky. There's two vendors in Kentucky only. So this is Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul's home state. Oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. Um, didn't they? Uh, they helped. They lifted sanctions on Oleg Deripaska, the Russian oligarch, and then Deripaska's company Rusal donated a ton of money just to, to Kentucky. Yes, and they're opening a giant, uh, giant aluminum plant uh, with right. Oleg's company. That's what it was. That's right. They used the money for the so. Um, 
Um, so I wanted to point out everyone saying, oh, we got to vote him out. We got to vote him out. And, you know, I looked it up in ESNS and Heart is InterCivic is the other vendor, which is much smaller than ESNS and Dominion, but it's the third largest. Um, and it has ties to the Romney family, according to Fortune magazine. And so, or no, according to Forbes. Um, so I thought that was maybe worth pointing out the ESNS $30,000, uh, donation. And, um, I mean, the other thing I, I, I feel like it's just when people are so confident that we can just get out the vote and vote them out. Maybe we can. I hope we can. I just think that people, we have, we were all raised to think we lived in the best democracy. And it's really difficult unless you spent a lot of time looking at the details like I have to see the cracks in that theory and that the corruption that we're seeing all over our government doesn't somehow magically disappear when we're talking about our election systems and how those are conducted and the federal agencies that we're supposed to conduct oversight, they're all yeah. corrupted and they've all been infiltrated by vote suppressors. And so, we, and the vendors themselves have been infiltrated. And what really upset me not long ago with Kentucky is, um, so I'm worried about the integrity of the vote is, is the bottom line. And they do have a, quite a few paperless voting machines, which are unauditable and they are replacing them with a new ballot marking devices that experts say cannot provide the basis for they will make people think they're auditable and i mean you can run an audit but it won't necessarily you can't confirm a legitimate you can't confirm an election yeah. outcome with them in other words you could have a fake outcome that looks legitimate by running an audit with these things um and i was really upset because they have a democratic secretary of state but um jessica huseman at propublica which normally i like she did this massive hit piece on the democratic secretary of state for um really after everyone was talking about the potential russian hacking of 2016 she hired an election firm to audit i, I believe esns and hart systems so these republican vendors i don't know that she saw them as republican vendors but to audit the election system and unfortunately she hired an election company that had donated to her campaign and so I know. So here we go. And so ProPublica did this huge, ex, you know, what they called this major expose and didn't mention anything about, she didn't look into the vendors themselves at all, who I have, which I have discussed with Jessica Houston previously, even sending her emails and, you know, emails back and forth about the vendors. She didn't look into the vendors at all. So she did this one site. It's not that what she said about the donation that she shouldn't have published it or reported it, but it, but by not mentioning the conflicts on the other side, it, it empowered the GOP to strip her powers. So they did this massive power stripping of this um, Democratic Secretary of State, who, by the way, ran against Mitch McConnell in 2014. Mm -hmm. And um, the polls had them in a dead heat. And somehow on these large, many of them, paperless voting machines, he supposedly defeated her by 15 points. This just doesn't happen in other countries with, with polling mm -hmm. being that off. Um, so I can't, maybe it was legitimate. Maybe our polling, the polling was just, you know, really, really massively inaccurate, but. Well, I don't know. Polling has been, uh, polling has been pretty off a lot recently and it's, it, it raises a lot of eyebrows. So, um. Ever since 2000. And it's just, you know, whether you can prove it or not, my point is we shouldn't assume that everything's on the up and up because that's dangerous and we should do what we can, everything we can to make sure we haven't left, um, 
you know, lock the front door and the windows only to find out we left the back door open. Yeah. And whether or not we can prove it, which we can't do unless we have an auditable system. So that's it's, it's kind of a, a, a bad catch 22. But we did get some uh, good news uh, out of North Carolina um, about the Board of Elections executive director. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So North Carolina is a particularly particularly problematic state. Um, on some surveys, it's it's no longer rated as a democracy. And that was largely due to the Republican control of the state election board and the, and the state legislature. And the head of the North Carolina election board for years has been a woman named Kim Strzok. And what happened was in, I guess it was the 2016 election, the Republicans were just stunned when Roy Cooper, a Democrat, defeated um, I don't remember who their what their candidate's name was, but they defeated he defeated the Republican, and they they couldn't accept it, and they um, you know they threw a tantrum, and they decided there was a rule that if you have whoever is in the governorship um, gets one extra person on the state board of elections, so they get the head of that of the state election board is mm-hmm. that member's party, and um, they changed they just decided to change the rule. They didn't even I don't even think the legislature passed a law; they just sort of internally decided maybe they did. But they put Kim Strzok, they they put Kim Strzok um, back in charge of the board, even though it was supposed to be a Democrat. And um, and, you know, she wreaked all kind of havoc there because the Republicans in um, they did stuff like shutting down voting on Sundays because and they even would admit that it was because um, African-American people tend to go to church and most African-American people are Democrats. And they said that wasn't racist because it was because they happened to vote. Democrat. So therefore it was fine. I mean, they just did, they did sketchy stuff like putting modems in their ballot scanners. Um, they, oh, the worst thing they probably did, this is really bad. So you know how VR systems is the third party vendor that Mueller says was actually infiltrated by Russia. There actually were three, three vendors. One of them we figured out, they, no one actually told us, but told the public, but it kind of leaked out that it was VR systems. We don't know who the other two are. But North Carolina used VR systems for its electronic poll books, which is what checks in the voters to make sure they're registered on Election Day. And they had massive, massive, massive electronic poll book problems in the blue, um, heavily blue county of Durham in North Carolina in 2016, which was considered a major swing state and for that election. And um, the board claimed that it had conducted a forensic analysis and found nothing wrong, and people didn't really believe it. And they didn't really share with the they didn't really share the report or anything. And sure enough, after Mueller came out with confirmation that it was um, VR systems that had been infiltrated and and um, people were talking about it more, they finally admitted, or maybe it was the Democrats who admitted. I don't know. It was admitted finally that they they lied. They did not. They maybe did a cursory examination, but they did not conduct a deep forensic analysis to determine whether it had actually been penetrated by Russia. So these things all kind of come from come from the state election board, or a lot of these things do. You know, how many polling places you're going to have and where you're going to have them and um, um, whether you're going to, you know, take at the potential absentee ballot fraud seriously, like in the North Carolina 9th District. So in any event, the, Dem- they lost, the Republicans lost in court in their effort to seize control of the state election board. And they just made a move to oust Kim Strzok, who is the Republican, who has been in charge of the board. And, you know, they're trying to say that this is a totally partisan move by the Democrats. And I just 
I just said good riddance. Um, her husband also, I mean, she has a huge conflict of interest in that she has her husband representing the Republicans in the legislature and trying to undermine voting rights. So, Well, good. That's good news. We get a little bit of good news every once in a while. Um, finally, what can uh, what can people like us do to uh, help bolster election security since it appears the Republicans are leaving money designated for that purpose on the table? What can we do? Well, it's not that I think that there's no use for the money. Um, I have... I don't want to suggest that having that using a, throwing a lot of money at the problem is the answer because the the groups that I have the most concern about are the ones who just put it just that way. Let's just just give all this money to the states and let them buy new equipment. That because the problem is, especially in the southern states and the swing states and the Republican controlled jurisdictions, and to an extent, Democratic jurisdictions. They're making irresponsible decisions and buying these ballot marking devices, which cost three times as much as hand-marked paper ballots, um, whether you use scanners or not, it's an extra layer on top of, you use a scanner anyway to count it, right? So they just, instead of using your hand. So um, I think I, I have a, sh- it, people can number one, follow my Twitter account because I will have um, calls to action. You really need to sort of contact with what you want. Um, members of Congress, your own state legislature and, um, your own state and county election officials, because all four of those have some voice, potential voice in how this will go. And we really need to get it mainstreamed. It's it's starting to go this way, mainstreaming the idea of hand-marked paper ballots. You can't just say paper ballots anymore. You have to add the hand part. Even if people just start doing that, I think that would be a huge help. Um, we also need to have, I have like, five, I have like a seven item checklist and I'll put it back at the top of my Twitter feed. Um, that of what I think would pretty much, pretty much be what we, what we need to have done in 2020 to be able to prove, um, the legitimacy of election outcomes and to prove that an outcome to, to know whether outcomes are legitimate or not. What is your Twitter account so that, uh, they can go see that seven, seven step process? Yeah. So my Twitter account is at Jenny Cone one spelled C O H N one. And I'm, I also have a, uh, I'm a member of a group of women and we have a website, which I will update. I haven't updated it much since the midterms, but it even still the action items I had then still apply. It's called protectourvotes.com, just spelled like you would think. And I'm also on the, um, the outreach advisory board for a new election security group called Smart Elections that is organizing actual um, they call them actions, but live actions, which is basically a protest, but we're putting it in the positive, you know, we're, we're fighting for election security as much as we are against bad systems. And so if you go to smartelections.us, that will also have information about calls to action. And, um, June 6th, there is going to be an action in New York. And I think it's going to be a really big deal. Smart Elections is making a real point of doing outreach both to more traditional scientist um, election security advocates who are on the board and to people with disabilities. So it's it's really trying to bring those two groups together. And I think it's it's I, I think that would be a very good site for people to also check in with. 
Awesome. More uh, women-led activism. I love it. So uh, thank you uh, so much for coming on today and explaining all this to us. It's very important. Uh, it's a subject that we need to get out there. And so uh, everybody head to Jennifer's Twitter. It's at Jenny Cohn one that's C-O-H-N-1. And uh, check out her. You're going to do a pin tweet, right? So we can see what uh, what our what our call to action is. Yes. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Attorney, election security advocate, Jennifer Cohn. Thanks for coming on Mueller, she wrote. Thank you. It was so great to have her on finally. Uh, A while back when we tiptoed into the waiting pool of the possibility that our votes were actually hacked, uh, she showed up on my radar, on our radar on Twitter, and I'm glad we finally uh, were lucky enough to to get to hear what she has to say. It's so important. She's amazing. And now that the Mueller report is saying that it did not investigate whether or not the vote was hacked and that it's up to the states to do that, Mm. election security and accurate audits are more important than ever. So thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on the show. Definitely. Any final thoughts, guys? Um, Where are the freaking Webbies? I know! That's crazy! I'm, yeah, still in shock uh, looking at all, like, the suggestions for um, the five-word speech. We did pick it, guys, but we I don't know if we're revealing it yet. I think Not we're going to wait. Yeah, so yeah. it's probably something you have in mind already, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you, you probably heard it. Yeah, yeah. Here, like, a, little, a little phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, I'm stoked, and uh, we're going to get ready now, right, for the cocktail party. Yeah, and, then, and, and thanks yeah. to the studio. Absolutely. Yes. For you have the information on the studio? Uh I well, okay. We can put so, it in the newsletter too. Yeah. I, yeah, I would yeah. love to give her a shout out. Yeah. And then I didn't talk to her about what specifically if she we would could like or me not. to say or, or anything specifically. Well, we'll, well, we'll do it next week then. Okay. We'll yes. make sure that we put it in the show next right, week. Right, but thank you just it. in general. Yes. <laughs> and if she's cool with like a name shout out or if she wants like the studio name shout yeah. out. Yeah, yeah plug it all. Hell yeah. yeah. And thanks for all the gifts. We went to the mailbox. Mm-hmm. Uh Dobby Wan Glass uh made us made you guys uh, some really nice uh, uh, flavored tobacco uh, Mm -hmm. instruments. Yes, water pipes. (laughs) Water pipes. My partner and I christened it. Exactly. The day we got it, too. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, it's great. They're beautiful. Yes. I'm glad. I'm glad that, that, that they sent those out. We got a lot more coffee beans. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the and... bean bag beans do come true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The uh, necklace, the two yes, the, balls. Yes, the yeah, two the Trump orange balls, orange balls that yeah. Pelosi definitely has around Absolutely. her neck. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, and and if we're forgetting anything, I'm so sorry, but you guys are incredible. We get so many things wine. now that... Yeah, yeah wine. We got wine from, yeah, yeah, I am floored. Yeah, like, it's it was in, great. It's like showering us with love. I it's, love it's, it. It's our love languages. And we love you guys. (laughs) We seriously couldn't do this without you. I know you guys are all, uh, I hear so much like, thank you. You're my lifeline. You're getting us through this. And, but I seriously, you guys are my self care. It's so mutual. Talking to you is like, is everything. So Mm -hmm. thank you for being there to hear it. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. And again, I can't, I'm having so much fun here this weekend in New York. And uh, take care of each other and take care of yourself. I've been AG. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Mueller, she wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. Season four of How We Win is here. 
For the past four years, we've been making history in critical elections all over the country. And last year, we made history again by expanding our majority in the Senate, beating election-denying Republicans in crucial state house races, and fighting back a non-existent red wave. But the MAGA Republicans who plotted and pardoned the attempted overthrow of our government now control the House, thanks to gerrymandered maps and repressive anti-voter laws. And the chaotic spectacle we've already seen shows us just how far they will go to seize power, dismantle our government, and take away our freedoms. So the official podcast of The Persistence is back with season four. There's so much more important work ahead of us to fight for equity, justice, and our very democracy itself. We'll take you behind the lines and inside the rooms where it happens with strategy and inspiration from progressive changemakers all over the country. And we'll dig deep into the weekly news that matters most and what you can do about it with messaging and communications expert, co-founder of Way to Win, and our new co-host, Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. So join Steve and I every Wednesday for your weekly dose of inspiration, action, and hope. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is is How We Win. Win. SW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry... We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.